There we go, there we go. Sorry about that. So close yet so far away by Holland Oates. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. I am Todd Dandruff Wittellis here, broadcasting on March 8th, not 18th, March 8th, 2015. A weird Sunday show we are having. Do not... It's not often that we broadcast on Sunday. Sometimes I change the show to Monday or Wednesday or even Thursday. Sunday is uncommon. 
But the good thing about broadcasting on Sunday is that we pick up some people who otherwise cannot listen live. People who cannot listen because they're in a different time zone and uh, have to work, have to sleep for work, whatever it is. But, uh, we're a little... uh-oh, having some mic issues here. <laughs> I, I knew this would not go easy. I'm not, usually, I'm not using the usual studio setup. I'm in a secret location right now which is the reason for the questionable sound quality. Let me see if I can get this fixed. The reason for the questionable sound quality and the questionable time we're starting the show. The show is actually uh, starting a little bit before 4.30. Of course, we're late again, but a little before 4.30 p.m. Pacific Time on Sunday. There is no free roll tonight. Usually the show has a free roll that uh, takes place every week for like 50 bucks or more. No free roll this week, just because there's not that many live listeners due to the unusual time we're having the show. So I don't want to waste the free roll money on a very small field. So the free roll will return on March 17th when we come back on Tuesday, as we usually do. Uh, Basically, I had to do the show today, or I could not do the show at all. I, I couldn't do it tomorrow. I could not do it on uh, Tuesday as scheduled. I can't do it on Wednesday. Basically, it's got to be tonight or nothing. So it's going to be tonight. Try to fix the uh, sound issue. I didn't expect this. It was working before when I tested it. Let's try this. Boy, this uh... I hope I'll be able to continue. I love engineering the show during the show. Okay, I think it's better now. I think it's better. If it's not, uh, just have to deal with it. So anyway, I don't have to go as long with a pre-show speech as I usually do, because there's no free roll tonight. But let me get a few things out of the way. If you want to call the show, you can still do so, even though I'm in a secret location. You can still call me at 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. The Mount Charleston line is an old 70s rotary phone that sits on top of Mount Charleston, which is near Las Vegas. It forwards to wherever I am. That phone number is 702-430-1808, 702-430-1808. I actually think an old 70s rotary telephone might be better fit for doing this broadcast than this headset I'm using tonight that uh, is, is quite old. Not quite from the 70s, but quite old and had still been working up until today and now it's I'm going to get a new one. For... This is tough here. This is tough. I apologize to the live listeners and I, you know, I probably won't even edit this. <laughs> so I apologize to everybody. I think I actually have to need to stretch the cord in a certain way so it doesn't cut out. I think it's just not making good contact. It's very odd. But, uh, yeah, look at this. I'm not sure if... uh, Maybe the chat room can help me out. The reason I think it's not working is because I can't hear myself sometimes, but if I'm not cutting out at all to you, then that's fine. I don't care about hearing myself. It'll be a bit distracting, but if the sound quality sounds okay to you in the chat room, please let me know. And I will uh, just continue. If it's breaking up, then I do need to fix this. It's cutting out. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. I 
think this headset's busted. I think this will be the last time I use this headset. If I can get through the show today. Uh, I think I will cut this out in the archives. This is embarrassing. Okay, people, we're going to try to do this. I have a show today if I can't get this working. It's fi- I tested it for like a minute and it was fine. And then uh, now it's doing this. Alright, we'll try. We'll try. It's I, I just, I'm a big believer in sound quality on the radio. And, and I don't want people to be stuck listening to me for hours with the sound cutting in and out. I know that would bother me as a listener, so I don't want you to listen to it that way. So, okay, we'll try it this way and see if uh, it goes in the toilet. Ah, see, it's still having trouble. I can't figure out what's making this cut and what doesn't make a cut if I could just keep this in some way where it doesn't happen. Maybe this. <laughs> Darkstar is saying... He's very unhappy. He's saying, did I shave my balls for this? It's <laughs> a good question. You probably wasted your time. Okay. Can't quite get this going. Now I gotta decide do I do the show with the substandard sound or do I. do I just give up? I don't know. I, I got up for doing the show here and that now it's. Now I'm disappointed if I can't do it. I, I don't wanna skip a week here. Ah, I should have brought a backup headset to the backup headset. That was my mistake. But this one has been working even though it's kind of beaten up for like. Seven years, I figured it'd still be okay. I, uh, boy. I don't know what to say here. It's weird because it cuts it out and then it doesn't cut it. I don't know what to say. It's weird. Just go with it, damn it, the chat room's saying. Um, figure out where the radio shack is in Mount Charleston and go there. Sound quality is fine, someone else is saying. Uh, when it's not cutting out, the sound is good. I agree the sound is good when it's not cutting out. It's just cutting out. Okay, I'm going to try anyway. I'm going to try anyway and try to cut out this uh, garbage at the beginning before putting it in the archives. Maybe. No promises. May- if you're hearing this in the archive, I haven't cut anything because it was uh, too difficult to do from where I am. So, okay, let's get going. If you want to chat with tonight, you can go into the chat room. It's uh, near the top of the screen, the chat button. You need an account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum to get in there, and you need a Flash-enabled device. You can talk to the other people who are listening live. If you want to call me, I already gave the phone number, 775-372-8355 or 702-430-1808. You can also text me at the main phone number, 775-372-8355. I will read your texts on the air unless you ask me at the beginning of the text not to do so. The free roll, as I said, will be on hiatus until March 17th. Here is the agenda for tonight. I played the song So Close Yet So Far Away. Actually, it's just called So Close by Holland Oates from the early 80s. Uh, it's a forgotten song by Holland Oates. Uh, it's not really uh, very well known. did manage to chart a little bit when it came out, but the reason I played it is because I was so close yet so far away. I had 
a chance to win $200,000 on a video poker machine. And the chance was so minute that I dismissed the possibility that it could happen. The chance is 1 in 9,746,000 of hitting that jackpot. Almost 1 in 10 million. So you go to play a machine, there's a 1 in 10 million chance to get the top prize on it. You're going to say, okay, there's no chance. I'm not even going to think about it. I won't even hope for it because it's just not going to happen. A 1 in 10 million chance does not happen. It almost happened. It came really close to happening. I'll explain what occurred and and, uh, how frustrating it was. Well, we talked a lot about seals with clubs on a previous radio show after they went down and then returned with my uh, former radio show partner, not on Poker Fraud Alert, but from a different site, uh, Brian Mikon. Now he's running a second version of Seals with Clubs on his own from the country of Antigua. That's all old news. What's not old news is the fact that one of the main developers of Seals with Clubs surprisingly showed up on Poker Fraud Alert and answered some questions. So uh, I'll reveal some things that he said in the thread and give you my take on this guy and what he's saying, whether you should believe him. Well, we talked last week about the Poker Automatics scam. This is where you can supposedly sign up to have bots playing for you. And you need no poker skill. You just give them your money, and the bots play for you. And uh, then when the bots win, because they're so good, they just send you money back. It's very easy. Just send them money, and you get more money back in return. What could possibly be wrong with that? (laughs) So uh, there's more details about this scam that have been uncovered through research by Haley Hintz, and I will tell you what she found. Paula Interactive is pulling out. They're pulling out. No, not that way of pulling out. They're pulling out of New Jersey. They, uh, they're afraid of poker stars. They don't want to operate a poker room in New Jersey because they're afraid of a poker room that does not yet exist. Tell you about that, and also I'll tell you why Poker Stars is not in New Jersey yet. It's being delayed by someone pretty high up. Speaking of bots, the Micro Gaming Network, which existed in a, uh, it's it's been around for a while. It's had some scandals. Uh, most notably a number of years ago not even that long ago a few years ago there was a big scandal where a lot of their skins failed and everyone lost their money and microgaming did not lift a finger to get involved they just let everyone lose their money through skins that ran on their network they washed their hands of it but that's not what this is about the microgaming network has finally done something good they are cracking down on bots there's a victory over bots someone identified bots reported them to microgaming and surprisingly action was taken i'll tell you what what action was taken and uh what is going to happen from there well lock poker has been talked about on this show a lot and you might assume at this point that it's a rogue entity. They have not paid anyone in uh, you know, two years or whatever. It's It's been a very long time since anyone got any money from them. 
they're not going to pay anyone at any time for any reason at this point. They are still taking deposits, of course. So you would think a poker site that has not paid anyone their cash outs in almost two years uh, would have its license in jeopardy or be an unlicensed site. But no, Lock Poker is currently still licensed in the country of Curacao. Wow! How are they still licensed there? But they are. We'll talk about that. Well, you guys have heard about the One Drop event, of course, every other year at the World Series of Poker. You can enter a special charity event where the buy-in is... One million dollars. But what is not as well known, especially because it's new and it's just starting this year, is that around the same time at the World Series of Poker, there will be a $500,000 buy-in event at the Aria. It's not a World Series event, but there's a $500,000 buy-in event scheduled for July 2nd. We'll talk a bit about that. Since we're a bit light on topics, partially because it's only been five days since I lasted the show, I have two editorials for you tonight, which I assume I will have time for. Editorial number one, it's something I was a little hesitant to talk about or do because uh, I I was afraid it might send the wrong message. And, uh, you know, I'm very pro-online poker legalization. I've told you how excited I am for online poker to be legalized in the U.S. or at the very least in California, which is uh, the biggest state in the nation and has one-ninth of the country's population. So I was thinking about it. And I told someone the other day, I said, look, don't tell anyone, but I'm kind of hoping that the California online poker legalization does not happen. Yeah. How could I possibly be wishing for that? How could I possibly think that it might be a bad thing for online poker to be legalized in California? Well, I don't think a bad thing for everybody, but I think for me personally, it might end up being a bad thing. I'll explain why I am kind of fearing this happening. And it may actually affect my bottom line in a negative way. So that will be my first editorial. My second editorial is about the seemingly inconsequential moments in my life with huge consequences. Nothing about gambling. Well, it's a little bit about gambling, but not that much. Uh, But it's not really a gambling or poker topic for the most part. But I've noticed that uh, if you look at where you are in life, if you look at uh, the major things that take up your life right now, They are a product of events that occurred leading up to them. Uh, For example, if you have a really good job, or if you have a really bad job, whatever your job is, uh, there was some moment when you found the job in the newspaper or online, wherever you looked for it, and the moment where you went and interviewed for it and decided to take it. Uh, Pretty boring, mundane stuff, but um, your life would probably be quite different if you took a different job. Or if you married a different woman, if you're married. Or uh, if if you went into a different field. Uh, But these, at least, a lot of them are a result of major decisions. You know, you can say, well, of course, your your life turns out differently if you make different major decisions. Such as, uh, you know, you're dating a woman, you decide to ask her to marry you. Uh, 
versus not asking her to marry you and breaking up with her, um, the, the, both of those are a major decision if it's a serious relationship. And if you end up with someone else, you can't say, oh, look at that little thing that caused me to be with someone else. No, it's a big thing. But I have a number of little things in my life that seemed totally meaningless at the time and ended up having huge consequences that affect me to this day. So I, I just was thinking about how many of those there are in my life, and I'm going to talk about what some of them are. It's kind of a little personal segment where you get to know me better. It's kind of weird that there's people who listen to this show who have gotten to know me pretty well just from listening to me, and I don't know them. I couldn't recognize them in a crowd. I have no clue who they are, even that they listen at all. And then they approach me, which I'm happy about. I like when people approach me when they see me uh, in a poker room or a casino or wherever and say, hey, I listen to the show, blah, blah, blah. But I realize the person who's approaching me, who's a regular listener, knows so much about me and I know nothing about them and it's really weird. But but I'm happy about it. I'm happy that there's people that listen and that uh, get to know me in this way. But I'm going to talk a little bit about myself at the end. But let me start off, instead of talking about myself at the end, I'm going to start off by talking myself about myself at the beginning. <laughs> I have been playing video poker recently, and not because I'm a gambling degenerate, but I do enjoy playing video poker. I, I do think it's fun, but uh, I don't find it fun enough to want to lose a lot of money on it and, and play it all the time. Because, uh, you know, it's a negative expectation game. And and you're really not going to find very many uh, positive expectation video poker. And if you do, it's like a tiny, tiny bit positive expectation. So uh, yeah, there's better ways to spend your time if you're going to try to make money. But uh, I'm playing video poker to earn my 7-star status back. And yeah, I've talked about that before, but the time has come to do it. So I've been playing like crazy. I played a lot in... Uh, New Orleans when I was there in January and early February, and now here we are in early March, and I'm playing a lot again. So I was playing a variant of video poker, and by the way, of course I select the video poker games I play by the returns of the game. That's the only thing that matters to me, of what the average return is, the theoretical return to the player. So the higher it is, the closer it is to even, uh, that's what I want to play. A lot of people select what they play for different reasons, because they think one game is more fun than the other, or you know, they like the fact that they have a better shot at winning a jackpot, but I actually found a, a good video poker game that has the fun factor of possibly winning big jackpots, and also has a very good return. So, this particular video poker game, uh, it plays like a normal video poker game, normal bonus poker, except the catch here is that there's a multiplier that comes up one out of every 15 times at the beginning of the hand before it deals to you, and also a multiplier that comes up when you you, uh, you know throw some cards back and draw to try to improve your hand, uh, also 1 in 15. So you have pretty much two 1 in 15 shots of getting the multiplier. If you happen to get them both, which will happen once out of every 225 times, uh, then they add together. So if you get a multiplier of like 3 and 5, then you'll end up with an 8 times multiplier. The multiplier you get each one is either 2, 3, 5, 8, or 10. But as I said, it only comes up uh, once every 15 before the hand is dealt, and once every 15 uh, after the hand is dealt. So, there's a special feature on the machine where if you are dealt 
a royal flush. That means you get the royal flush right off the bat. You don't throw cards away to get it. You actually get it immediately. If you are dealt a royal flush, and if the multiplier has been triggered when it deals it to you, I'm not talking about the one that triggers after you've been dealt. I mean the ones before you've been dealt. If that has been triggered and you're dealt a royal flush, then you win um, at the limit I was playing $200,000. Which is a lot considering that each hand is only $17.50. So each hand is $17.50 and yet you'll win $200,000 if you get delta royal and the multiplier was activated. It doesn't matter what multiplier you're getting. If, if the multiplier gets activated and you're Delta Royal, it's $200,000 flat. And that's the best you can win on that machine. This is unusual for video poker. Most video poker uh, does not have a large jackpot like that, especially you know playing $17.50 per hand. And uh, if they do, a few of them have like a progressive thing, but it never gets that high. And in the rare case, they do have something with a really high progressive. Usually the pay table's terrible, and the overall return of the machine is lousy. So this is unusual, in that you have a good return on the machine, and you have a chance of winning as much as $200,000. But how much of a chance do you really have? Well, I calculated, because there's a 1 in 15 chance of getting the multiplier, and because a... Delt Royal Flush happens only once out of 649,000 hands. That means your odds are 1 in 746... Sorry, let me try that again. 1 in 9,746,000 to hit that 200,000. That was my chance of winning that prize. 1 in almost 10 million. I'm like, okay, I'm not even going to think about this. You know, if I'm playing a machine where the chance to win something big is like 1 in 200,000, 1 in 100,000, I think, okay, very unlikely, but all right, it's a chance. But 1 in 10 million to me isn't a chance. It's not. It's just, it's nothing. You know, 1 in 10 million, it's just not going to happen. 1 in 10 million is so small that, uh, let's say, there was a prize awarded to... 11 people in the United States and every single person in the United States was eligible. They put every single person's name in the United States in a hat and they chose 11 names from it to give someone a prize. That would be one in 10 million to win that. I mean, 11 people in the whole United States would win. You'd say, okay, I have no chance. So, uh, this is the same thing. This is a one in 10 million, basically. So, I was playing last night and... The multiplier activates. But that's one set of every 15 times. No big deal. Then I see the cards I'm dealt. Ace of clubs. Ten of clubs. Jack of clubs. King of clubs. I am now one card away from the 200,000. All I have to do is get the queen of clubs. And I've got it. Nothing further to do. No fur- nothing else. Just Just the queen of clubs now. So I have everything but the Queen of Clubs. And the final card... What is the final card? Yeah! It is... A Queen! Of Diamonds. Can you believe that? Change that diamond into a club. And... 
I have won the $200,000 in a 1 in 9.75 million shot. Unbelievable. So, uh, I, I just sat there staring at it. I, I just sat there. And I, those of you who are more mathematically inclined may say, wait a minute, this isn't 1.975 million what happened to you. Because uh, you just got four to a royal. And four to a royal will happen um, 47 times for every time you get a royal. Which is true. Because when you get four to a royal, there's 48 cards left. One will make your royal, the other 47 will miss. So you say, wait a minute, you're, the odds of this happening, what just happened to you right there, is not one in uh, 9.75 million. It's, uh, it's actually you know, divided by 47. So the actual odds on that of something like that happening would be one in uh, about two hundred seven thousand, which it was still pretty long odds to get exactly what happened to me a four to a royal with the multiplier, uh, but still that's uh, a lot more common than one in uh, almost ten million. But my point is here that I was one card away and actually one suit away. I got the queen, just not the club. Can you imagine? If I, I'm sitting here, I hit the 1 in 9.75 million shot. I mean, that would have been amazing. That would have been a, a story that uh, people almost wouldn't believe when I tell them. But uh, it didn't happen. Instead, I, I came so close, yet so far away. That is that. So, um... Uh, JStat is saying I was scammed at that machine, that they are programmed for near misses. I don't believe that. They could get in uh, big trouble. And yeah, It's actually the uh, the double super times pay, what uh, Forum Wars is asking in chat. Is. It was double super times pay, and uh, um, uh, Hoser11 is bringing up a point that a different suited queen is not any closer than any other card that is not the queen of clubs, and he's right. He's right, but it was that much more painful that I actually got the right card, just the wrong suit. Right rank and wrong suit is actually the proper term. I, I know it's the same as if I got uh, uh, any other card. But it, it hurt that much more. And then what was even worse is I still had a chance for five draws. It's a five-play game, so I, and, I was a th- and it was a three-times multiplier at this point. So I had five chances at drawing at that royal to hit it, and I wouldn't get 200k, but for each one I hit, it would be 6,000. So I drew the five times, and it bricked all five. So... PLOL is saying in chat you should have held all five cards and not drawn for the royal because you have a straight (laughs) okay so anyway that was uh, I I just sat there and there was this woman playing next to me and she saw it and uh, you know she kind of just went on and kept playing her thing. She's like, oh, that's too bad. And I was like, you realize this is a 1 in 10 million chance. You realize that I almost had $200,000 here. I'm like over and over saying it to her. <laughs> I think she was getting annoyed. She's going, okay, well, don't dwell on it. And uh, But, but I, I didn't feel that bad whining to her about it because she kept bitching to me about every little thing that happened to her. Like, oh, I got the multiplier and then I didn't get any hands. Blah, blah, blah. Like, like little inconsequential things. Well, I almost had 200K there. All right, so... Uh, you know, for me, this is especially exciting because I don't play casino games where I have the chance to win 200000 I I just don't. I don't play slot machines or things with the big jackpots. I, I play, like, high-return machines where I can expect a large portion of what I bet back to me. So this was exciting. 
and it was disappointing. And, and someone asking chat, do I, I know the proper strategy? Yeah, I, I do. I, I know exactly the proper strategy. So, okay. Enough with that, let's go on to the, uh, the regular content of the show. So, uh, Steals with Clubs, if you haven't heard, they went down on February 11th. It's now almost been a month. I have to say that's flown by pretty fast. It's been, uh, yeah, yeah, it's been almost a month. It's been 25 days since it happened, and it, it feels like a shorter time since that happened, but that's when it went down. It went down because uh, Chairman Brian Mikon had his home raided, and they took all his equipment. He was the face of Seals with Clubs, and uh, from what everyone believes, it was one of the owners there. But uh, they, they took his stuff, he fled to Antigua, and the rest of the owners of Seals decided to take it down and cash everyone out. Micon continued with a second version of Seals with Clubs, with new software that they had been developing, and he's currently running it as an unlicensed site from Antigua. Uh, he got his home raided because it was an unlicensed site in Nevada. He was basically taking bets from people in Nevada as an unlicensed Nevada site, and the Nevada Gaming Commission did not like that very much. So they seized the stuff with a warrant and likely are going to press charges on him, though I don't know of any charges that have been filed at this time. So maybe they have, and I just haven't heard. But anyway... Um, the this was all covered on previous shows, but what was making a lot of people curious was Mikon's relationship with the other owners of Seals, because they, they had a disagreement. I, I'm not saying necessarily a hostile one, but they disagreed how to proceed. Uh, the other guys said, "You know what? We're out of here now that there's been some action." some legal action against SEALs. Uh, we want no part of it anymore. We're just going to cash everyone out and be done with it. That was everyone's opinion on this, except Mikon, who said, no, I want to still run it. So he ran off to Antigua and is running a new version of it by himself, not with the people who were running it before, in Antigua. And this is not secret stuff here. This was made public by Mikon himself and by the people who formerly ran SEALs. Uh, but some interesting thing came out when SEALs was cashing everyone out. And that was, it became clear, they didn't say it directly, but it became clear from the statement that Mikon was never holding any of the money. A lot of people are saying, oh, Mikon's such a great guy, he made sure you know, nobody lost their money, everyone could cash out, you know, what a responsible guy. No, he wasn't the one holding the money. He was pretty much the marketing guy. He was pretty much the guy who promoted it, but uh, didn't seem to be involved very much in operations, and for sure, uh, he was not holding the money. The money was being held by other parties who, who made that pretty clear in their uh, statement on sealswithclubs.eu. Now, none of that is news. We talked about that before on previous shows. But something unexpected happened, and that is that the main guy who has been posting on sealswithclubs.eu and uh, manning the Seals with Clubs Twitter account regarding the cash outs they're doing, uh, he goes by HDEV. And um, the dev part refers to the fact that he's a developer. He's a software guy. He was uh, one of the tech guys involved with SEALs. I think there were two of them, at least two. There was an HDEV and an XDEV. So HDEV, who is responsible, at least one of the people responsible for the cash-out 
task for Seals with Clubs, who's now giving 60 days from now, by the way, till uh, they shut da- that down completely. But I, I didn't even contact HDev. I was curious about him. I was curious about what he had to say. I was curious about uh, his part in the whole thing, but I figured he wasn't going to talk to me because Mike on and I had a very nasty fallout and uh, we went from good friends to uh, the opposite of good friends. And I I figured, okay, this is probably some friend of Mike on's and I'm not going to contact this guy and and ask for gossip about seals. It just didn't seem like something wise to do, so I didn't do it. Well, surprisingly, HDev showed up on Poker Fraud Alert this week, and it is the real HDev. He used a sealswithclubs.eu email address to get validated, and the only way you can do that is if you are one of the people running seals. So I'm, I'm just about sure this is a legitimate account and not somebody messing with us. And he's been answering questions in the thread about seals with clubs, and, and people kind of don't know what to make about that because uh, people are surprised that someone who was so involved in running a site that MyCon was so close to and part of and probably owned a good portion of it, uh, that that person would now be on Poker Fraud Alert of all places answering questions. But he has been. So uh, I'm going to tell you some things that uh, HDEV revealed that uh, I think were interesting. Um, first of all, he described what occurred exactly with the server. Now, the seals went, with clubs went down for two reasons. Number one was the raid on Mycon's house. Number two was an oddity that occurred with their their server, which was a leased server in Romania. But nobody knew what the oddity was, and HDEV explained it. And uh, I'm not going to read the technical explanation because it's going to confuse people here in you know, if you're not technical and it won't make good radio. But basically, uh, right around the same time that the raid happened, the uh, there was supposedly a disk failure on the server that was running SEALs, but the way the whole thing went down, and, and from what they could tell from looking at the event logs uh, of the server, the Windows event logs, they came to the conclusion that uh, the explanation as to the hard drive failure being the cause was not true. They, they, HDEV, who, who's a very technical guy, by the way, and, and uh, he's, he's definitely qualified to come to these conclusions, he said that it was highly unlikely, the way everything occurred and from everything he saw in the event logs, that it was an actual hardware failure. That it appears it was intentionally taken down to copy the contents of the disk. Uh-oh. Hear that? There's a phone ringing. Phone stopped ringing. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, whenever I'm in a secret location, people try to reach me. Look at this. People are trying to call. I, th- I wonder if it's the listener calling me or someone else. I can't answer. I'm on the radio here. But a- anyway, HDEV believes that between the timing of this oddity and the fact that it didn't seem to match what the people at the server told him happened, that the evidence that he found didn't match what they were claiming, that it really looks to him like they took it down to copy the contents of the hard disk and probably give it to the Nevada Gaming Commission. Now you may say, what power does the Nevada Gaming Commission, which isn't even a federal authority, it's a state government authority, 
the state government body. Uh, what could they do to Romania? How could they force Romania, something in Romania, to give up information? But SimpDog, one of the users of Poker Fraud Alert, brought up a very good hypothesis about what happened. He said that since it's in Romania, where there's a lot of shadiness going on, where it's uh, probably not that difficult to bribe someone, that uh, the Nevada Gaming Commission probably bribed the Romanian server. Maybe they talked them into it. Maybe they said, uh, hey, we're from law enforcement here in Nevada. Please provide it to us. It's possible that they just did this to prevent trouble. But it's also possible that they bribed some tech there, you know, a few hundred bucks, to get a dump of the hard drive. So, who knows? It's something like that. But I have to agree with HDEV that it's unlikely that they'd never had anything like this happen before, that they were given a bogus explanation as to why it went down, and yet it happened on the same day at around the same time as the raids happened on Brian Mikon's place. So you have to think it's related, and you have to think they grabbed everything they could from that hard drive, and the Nevada Gaming Commission probably has it at this point and is investigating it. So uh, that was something he revealed. He gave the further details of what he believed happened and why he believed it occurred. And it's uh, to me, it seems likely that he's right. He said, um, unlike the password fiasco from a couple of years ago, this wasn't a break-in attempt to steal funds. It appears to be an attempt to get information about the operator of the server. There is still the possibility that it was a freak timing and hardware coincidence, but given everything that was happening, we couldn't seriously write off the events as coincidence. The reality is it was becoming clear that no matter where your server is hosted, it's going to be under constant attack. If not from people trying to break into steel, then people trying to extort money from you and within the uh, Nevada Gaming Control Board actions from governments. So he decided, as HDEV decided, it was time to quit after that. So that was one interesting thing that came out. Another interesting thing that came out, and this was from a question I asked him. I said, you know, I heard a rumor that MyCon didn't know who his business partners were at SEALs, which is crazy because MyCon pretty much was SEALs with clubs. He he wore the SEALs with clubs gear. He had the patches. He uh, he called himself chairman. Uh, could you really believe that Brian MyCon would have endorsed this site and would have plugged it so much and, and acted as if it was his own if he didn't even know who the people were that were holding the money? He didn't know who any of the people were behind SEALs? Is that really possible? And it seems like the answer is yes. I asked HDEV if Brian Mikon knows who he is. And... Um, I, I said, HDEV, does Micah know your identity, or did you stay anonymous even from him? And he responded back, our identities were never crucial to running the site. I don't believe he has any identifying information on me. He'd also said before that the other guys who ran SEALs also were not that concerned that the stuff that was seized from Micah will reveal who they are. And that was what I first that's when I first started thinking, hey, I wonder if Mikon never knew who they were, because if Mikon did know, how do they know that Mikon had nothing on his computer about their identities? The only way would be if they never said who they were. So, um, 
That, that's pretty interesting. Now, as it turned out, the guys running SEALs, the guys who held the money, turned out to be very honest. They are shipping the money back to anyone who wants it for the next two months, as well as the previous 25 days. So, you know, props to them. They turned out to be good guys. They turned out to be legitimate guys. But, wow, I'm shocked that Micon did not know the actual identities of the people running it. You know, so they theoretically could have run off with the money, and he wouldn't have known who to search for. That's crazy. They didn't. It was an honest operation. And, you know, maybe Micon made a judgment call that these guys seem like good dudes, and he doesn't see that happening. And in, in that case, the judgment call would have been correct. But, wow. I, I had no idea that uh, the people running Seals with Clubs did not know who each other were. That these were people all cooperating to do this anonymously. And that that's crazy. Imagine everyone running a poker site for real money where nobody knows who the others are. Not the players don't know who each other are. The operators of the site don't know who each other are, except for Mikon, obviously, who was uh, very public about who he was, which is why he got his home rated and nobody else did. Now, this was a pretty wise thing for the other guys to do, as they are not currently in trouble, and they're going to be a lot tougher to find. Uh, Very well, not impossible to find, but uh, a lot tougher to find, depending on how much they made an effort to disguise themselves. Uh, for example, if they really do have the content of the hard drive of the SEAL server, they can look at the people who were connecting to it, and um, and especially those connecting it from a uh, an admin or developer standpoint, and, and see if the IP leads to anyone. Uh, if these guys were really, really careful, they would have been connecting to everything regarding SEALs through some sort of uh, anonymous means, but I don't know if they were that cautious, so we'll see. Uh, they are obviously afraid enough to take the whole thing down and to bail out of it. So they, they don't feel invincible, and rightfully so. But we'll see if they ever get identified. But Micon was easy to identify, and he was right there in Nevada for them to bust. So that was like taking candy away from a baby as far as busting Micon there. So... Um, uh, Don Crusher is asking, is HDev Hollywood Dave? No, HDev also said that his screen name was Dr. Huh, that's Dr. H-U-H, and I, that doesn't mean anything to me, but that's who he says he is. Uh, Hollywood Dave is not a programmer. He's not a very technical guy. Hollywood Dave is actually an actor. He's an actor who turned into a blackjack player and a poker player. He used the fact that he was an actor to his advantage, and that's how he got to be somewhat known uh, in the professional uh, blackjack tournament circuit. Because he was appearing on TV with all these crazy antics, and uh, he played the part of an asshole. And, uh, you know, people are always uh, bashing Hollywood Dave, saying, oh, that guy's a fucking asshole, I hate him, Like, what a douchebag. And uh, you guys don't understand, Hollywood Dave actually plays a douchebag on TV, literally. That, that was his whole stick, was to go on TV and act like a jerk. But that wasn't the real Hollywood Dave, and I, I spent time with Hollywood Dave in person. I even went to Dodgers games with him, and uh, you know, the one thing I didn't like about Hollywood Dave was that he stood by UB and, and remained a pro there till the bitter end. Uh, he, wasn't, uh, he wasn't guilty of wrongdoing like uh, Joe Seabach or Prelot Friedman to that degree, but he was still you know, one of the lower-level pros there, and he, he always found an excuse not to back out, which I, I found pretty bad, because you know, other than things like that, Hollywood Dave... Uh, he really had a conscience about everything else. And uh, whenever something was a scam, he would call it out. 
but but this is the one thing he he had blinders on intentionally because he was making money. So I I didn't like that part. But as far as you know, my personal interactions with him, he acts nothing in person like he does on TV. Little aside about Hollywood Dave. Yeah, the, he was known as the bad boy of blackjack. But as I said, it was all an act, and uh, that wasn't really him. He he used his background as an actor to create this character. And I, I guess he did a good job with it because <laughs> he. Uh, he convinced people. But anyway, uh, someone else asking in chat, is HDev Dutch Boyd? Now, it is true that Dutch Boyd was working on SEALs in the early days for some time. I, I don't know if he was still involved with it. I don't think HDev is him. I have no idea who HDev actually is, but just from the personality I'm seeing of HDev, uh, it doesn't look like Dutch. It does not look like Dutch at all. I also don't think Dutch Boyd is as technical as HDev is. This HDev guy seems very technical. Dutch Boyd, he he obviously has uh, some technical talent, but I I don't I just don't believe that's who that is for several reasons. So uh, I also haven't heard that Dutch Boyd's been involved with SEALs in uh, quite some time. So I, I think people are just kind of remembering years ago when he was and think that he must have been one of those behind the scenes doing it, but I, I don't think he was. So let's see if uh, HDev said anything else of note that I should mention here. I think he was asked a few good questions by Phantom and answered them. So let me get to those. So HDev, so Phantom asked him, uh, "Do you know who Free Money is? Free Money was the original uh, guy who started Seals with Clubs when it was really small back in the day." Is that if you don't know who that is and they don't know who you are, how did you begin working for SEALs and what compelled them to trust you? Uh, number two, how did Mike on Free Money and yourself primarily communicate? Number three, are you an American citizen? And number four, would you agree that Mike on's penis is unusually long and thin? <laughs> that was seriously the fourth question he asked. <laughs> it's hard to keep anyone... You know, answering serious questions on this site for very long because they get things like that. And I, I think HDev he he came to PokerFraudAlert.com thinking, okay, you know, this is a site against poker fraud. It sounds like something I can support. Now he's getting questions like that. Like pe- people who come here because it's called Poker Fraud Alert always get kind of a a rude awakening about the the attitudes and uh, responses they get on this site. It's not a easy place to be. Anyway, um, oh yeah, uh, it's a good thing that we don't have uh, the free roll tonight because PokerFraudAlert.org is still broken. I haven't fixed it. Anyway, here's the question. Here are the answers from HDev to Phantom's questions. He answered these uh, today at about six in the morning. He said that uh, he started working for SEALs and uh, and he was trusted by them, even though they didn't know who he was, because uh, he proved that he cared more about the work and doing what's right in small steps incrementally over time. So so basically he demonstrated to them over time that he seemed like a good guy, and even though they didn't know who, his name, they said, hey, we trust him. Um, as far as... Um, why is he confident that um, Mikeon and the others don't know who he is and can't find him if uh, you know in the way they communicated? Why can't he be traced back in some way? And he said, "It's not that I'm super confident. It's just that we didn't feel the need to know things about each other." That's really weird. We didn't feel the need to know things about each other. We're holding a ton of money in Bitcoin of our users here, but we we don't need to know who each other are. 
I, I guess it worked out, but boy, that's weird. Uh, then, as far as, are you an American citizen? He said, I don't feel that you have a need to know that. Ouch. And then number four, regarding uh, Mike on's penis, he says, what is it with everyone here swapping dick pics? <laughs> I didn't go to business school. Is knowing penis dimensions of everyone a standard thing now? Right before that, it just happened that uh, Seriously Serious posted a picture, thankfully in spoiler tags, of Garrett's penis. So there's a lot of penis talk, and HDF is kind of confused by this. HDF kind of seems like a dry personality type of guy. Like HDF doesn't seem to be joking around a lot. He seems like a very serious, straightforward guy. And so, like, I think all this penis talk is kind of alarming him. That's that's what happens to the site. This this is why this site can't have nice things. This is why anything good here doesn't stay. So, uh, we haven't had anything since then from HDev, who last posted at 6 in the morning. But, uh... Anyway. I will, uh... I guess go to the new topic. I guess I'm going to give you my opinion on this. I haven't really stated much of what I think about this. Uh, people are wondering, why is HDev over here on Poker Fraud Alert? And some people say, oh, it must be a fake. There's no way someone who is associated with SEALs will be posting here of all places. And others are saying, okay, well, this must mean that he hates MyCon now. I, I think what's going on here is that this guy is just a straightforward and honest person. And... Uh, this is where the most discussion about SEALs is taking place currently, right, on Poker Fraud. There's more discussion here than on 2 Plus 2 or on Bitcoin Talk. This, this is where the most discussion is. This is where you can learn the most about the situation. And I'm sure he found that. And he said, okay, well, I was a big part of it. I want to participate. I want to clear some things up. And, and he doesn't care about who Mike unlikes or hates. Uh, he did say at one point that he really wants to talk about SEALs and not Mike on. And I, I can understand that. But he seems like the type of guy who just wants to get in on the discussion about something that he had a big part of, and he doesn't really care about the politics of who likes who or who was once a business partner with whom and and, and all that. That, That's why I think he's here. I I think on one hand, he doesn't dislike Mikeon. On the other hand, uh, he doesn't feel like he shouldn't participate in here just because Mikeon dislikes me. So, all right, fair enough. He, He didn't say that directly, but that's what I'm getting from him. And as far as people not knowing who each other were, as I said, it worked out, but this is not a business model I would suggest for anyone to ever engage in. This is this is kind of like you close your eyes and cross the freeway, and uh, you don't get hit by a car, and then when it's all over, you say, well, it worked out. In the future, I'm going to keep walking across the freeway with my eyes closed. You can do that and not get hit, but uh, you do this enough times, you're going to get hit. And that's what would happen here if you blindly trust people whose identities you don't know to hold large sums of money or Bitcoin. That's No way that's a good idea. No matter how seemingly trustworthy some's, someone's screen name is. And we've seen examples on Poker Fraud Alert where someone who is very well-liked and very trustworthy turns out to be a scammer. Of course, most of you are probably thinking of Jacep. Jacep was someone who was very well-liked here. And, and before all the scams happened, no one would have thought that he was going to scam everyone and that this uh, charity 
podcast he had was was steel. I mean, people would not have even imagined this in a million years, but that's what it was. And uh, then we had F Mink on Never Win Poker. Same thing. This is a very well liked guy. This is someone who used to spend hours talking on the phone to people about you know, personal problems they had and making close friendships. And uh, boy, he seemed like a wonderful guy. And yeah, he was a scammer too. So. I mean, if somebody has demonstrated many, many, many years of integrity, like I'll point to someone I know very well, myself. I have been in poker for well over 14 years, and there has never once been any kind of scandal involving me where someone's even accused me of stealing money or defrauding someone or or scamming someone in any way. So I think right now uh, it's very easy to say that I'm someone who's easy to trust to hold your money. Anything involving money, you say, okay, I can trust him. There's no way he's going to stiff me here. And that's true. There is no way I will stiff you ever. But, um, you know, if I had just come on the scene, even if I've been in the scene for a year, year and a half, if you didn't have my real name, if you, you just knew me under a screen name, not Dan Druff because people know who Dan Druff is, but, you know, just some other screen name that you can't link to me, and you don't, I've only been around for a year and a half, and I, I want to hold large sums of money, I, I would think that's a bad idea, because I could not be what I seem. I could be someone who just disappears, and there'd be no way to find me, and it would be pretty bad if that happened. The consequence is just too tough. So I think that was an irresponsible model, but it worked out. It worked out because the people who trusted each other, it turned out that they were good people. So it's one of these things where... Uh, they took a chance, they did something that was kind of foolish, but it worked, partially through the luck of everyone being of the character that they professed to being, but it doesn't always happen that way. It does not always happen that way. So, uh... JSTAT is saying, SWC owner needs to shut the fuck up, a lawyer would suggest. Well, I don't know what HDEV... I I don't know what ownership he had. I assume he had some, because he's holding some of the... At least some of the money there. But I don't think posting here is that dangerous at this point if if he's using means to prevent his IP from being detected by me. Now, I would not give out his IP, but there could always be a subpoena for it. Obviously, he knows if his IP, if his real IP is logged on Poker Fraud Alert, the authorities have a way of getting a hold of it, either by compelling me to give it or by just uh, forcefully taking it from me. So, I have to imagine he's masking his IP in some way. And provided he's doing that, he's not really giving away very much that will uh, be used against him later. And and he's definitely not thumbing his nose at authority by being here. He's just matter-of-factly explaining the way some things work there. I, I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think it's going to allow him to be found e- more easily. And I think if they do find him, anything he's written here really will not be very useful against him. So, I hope he sticks around. I hope we find out some more. I, I think the real, the most compelling thing we found out this week was that they didn't know who each other were, which is just nuts if you think about it. It's one thing to trust people on a forum to be mods or admins without really knowing them, because you're not risking that much. Yeah, you're risking that the guy will abuse his power or, or one day flip out and delete all the posts or, or ban a bunch of users. 
number one, you can reverse anything that's done, and, and number two, it's it's just a forum. But we're talking about large sums of money here. That was pretty amazing that anonymous people trusted each other like that, and it's even more amazing it worked. So here is something that is definitely not going to work. But if anybody wants to call in seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. And uh, I'm going to look up uh, if we got any text, which you can also text uh, 775-372-8355. From the 412 area code, your shit's not cutting out here. I wonder who that is. Is that is that Josie? Josie's back. I wonder if she's listening. It could be Josie. It could be bad guy. It could be just another person in Pittsburgh. Uh, Belly Buster complaining that I haven't fixed PokerFraudAlert.org. I will get to it. I'm sorry about that. Let's see here. From the 352 area code, this is a long one that I got on March 4th. Great show as usual, Todd. As one of the three women who listen to the show, I feel the need to weigh in on Katie Dozier. First, what the fuck is International Women's Day? This is a woman, by the way, who doesn't know what that is. Second, I agree with a comment made that she wants to have her cake and eat it too. I've never met Katie, therefore cannot comment on the cunt part. I don't know what cunt part. I didn't call her a cunt, but uh, whatever. Uh, The fact that the ladies' events exist annoy me. I would rather stick a fork in my eye than play in one. Besides the fact that I hate playing against other women, having ladies' events signifies that women need need their own event because they suck at poker. The attention given to women that are left in the main is also absurd. When Gael Bauman and Elizabeth Hille busted at 10th and 11th in 2012, the TV coverage was ad nauseum. Similar to the reference you made, if this level was focused on the last black man standing or the last white guy named Todd, what do you think the inferences will be about their skill? As a women poker player, you cannot whine about not being treated equally and then bitch about declining focus on ladies-only aspects. Oh, and Baggins, I hated Barbie dolls. So she's saying here... If women want special treatment, special marketing, and special women's events, and special this, special that, special blogs, that then they they have to accept that they're not equal. If you're going to get special treatment, you're basically saying, I'm not equal, you have to treat me specially. If women want to be equals at the poker table, they need to stop expecting unequal treatment. That's a good point. This is from a woman. I think it's fine if they have ladies' events, but I don't think it's right for anyone to expect they have ladies' events. I don't think it's right for someone to expect they have special coverage of of women's events and women's this and women's blogs. You can't expect that. If they want to do it, fine, but you can't get mad that they don't, because everyone should be equal in poker. That's, That's how I feel. Someone just texted me from the 561 mic on and back. I don't know what they mean by that. Do they mean he's back in the U.S.? I doubt that. (laughs) <laughs> I, I severely doubt that he's in the U.S. again. I think they just like saying Mike on back, because he used to always say back like that. I, I don't think that he's back. It would be a big story if he was. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at his Twitter. I guess he got uh, he got a little bit of good news here. Someone found the drone that he lost on February 6th. 
Believe it or not, on February 10th, Mikon's biggest concern was that his drone was missing. And then on the 11th, his uh, focuses and concerns changed. Just a little bit. All right. I, I have no idea what this person was talking about. No idea at all. Let's see, any other texts? Oh, from the 206 area, from Washington, someone said, in reference to when Hot Like Sauce co-hosted the show two shows ago. Hot Like Sauce's casual racism was not cool. I didn't really notice that, but alright. And I think that's about it. 775-372-8355 775-372-8355 You want to text during the show, or after the show, whenever. I will respond to you, I promise. So let's go on to the next topic. Let's take a look at the chat room. See if the chat room has anything to say of interest. Danny Deadwood said, Nothing like the Nevada Gaming Commission knocking on your door to forget about your lost drone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Josie the Pussycat says, Dandruff, I will begin to need... Maybe it's Danny... It's DD. It could be for Danny Deadwood, too. I, I will begin to need your gut and nuts. Jeez. I hope that's not for me. Anyway, she's in the chat room if anybody wants to talk to Josie. Let me get to the next topic here. Well, Paula Interactive. We're going to go from talking about Josie needing people's nuts to uh, someone pulling out. Uh, Jim Ryan, the former CEO of UB, who was probably involved either in the cheating or in the covering up of the cheating in UB, and somehow he's the CEO of uh, Paula Interactive. I don't know how that happened. Shouldn't be happening, to be honest. But uh, he's pulling out, but not of Josie. He's pulling out of New Jersey. Paula Interactive is not going to be launching a poker product there. They've put online poker on hold in New Jersey. This is from uh, Jim Ryan. He says that even though it's, quote, largely ready to go, Paula Poker was put on hold because the company expects poker stars to soon be entering the market. He said, we put that on hold because we do expect poker stars to enter the market. Uh, liquidity is is obviously a challenge. We've seen one poker network already exit the marketplace. He's referring to Ultimate Poker, of course. So basically, uh, what they've determined at Paula, and Paula is, uh, this is the company that is associated with the Paula Indian tribe in uh, northern San Diego County. They have a casino in that area, and they're trying to, it, the reason Paula Interactive mainly exists, they want to have an online gaming presence when this is legalized in California. That's why they're, they're gearing up for this. But the Paula Interactive also wanted a presence in New Jersey, and they decided they're not going to do online poker there. So basically what Jim Ryan has determined is that legalized online poker is such a fail in New Jersey that it's just not worth their time. That there just are not enough players to go around for all the rooms. So since they have WSOP.com, since they have Borgata's Party Poker, since Poker Stars is going to come soon, Apollo Interactive was like, wait a minute, there's no way that with those three, especially with Poker Stars out there, that we're going to be able to compete. It's just not going to be worth it. We're hardly going to get any of the market share. The market's just not that big. There aren't enough players to go around. We're going to put all this effort and money into it, and it's going to be a fail. We're going to make, like, no money. We're going to lose money hand over fist. Screw it. There's just not much of an upside here. They just could not figure out 
how it would be possible that they would do well with online poker with that much competition in a market that that's small. So that's that's very indicative of the reality that has hit these online poker operators in the face in the legalized state markets. That basically there aren't enough people who want to play. Their projections were way, way off. They thought it was going to be something huge. Once it was legalized, they thought it would be everyone flocking to play and that uh, these would be huge sites, even at the state level. But they weren't. And there are more rooms than players that can be supported. So Poker Stars was kind of the straw that broke the cabals back there. Even though they're not even in the market yet, they, they figured that once Poker Stars is there, they're going to have no shot because right now it probably wouldn't even be that lucrative anyway. Uh, what Ryan also said was the poker challenge is a bit deeper than the casino aspect of their business, especially on the back of a poker star's entry. So they still are going to run an online casino there. They just don't want to put poker. They don't even want to bother with the poker. They're just going to do a casino, no poker, which is really interesting that they're actually declining to run poker there. That is that much of a money loser. Now, where is poker stars? They, they were supposed to launch a long time ago in New Jersey. Well, Poker Stars, and this is, by the way, the next topic, but we'll bridge them together. Poker Stars is still waiting for the final approval from the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement to operate there. And there has been no formal reason that's been given for why they are experiencing such long delays. Now, uh, a state senator of New Jersey named Ray Lesniak, not... Ray Lesbian, but Ray Lesniak, said that he felt that Poker Stars would launch in New Jersey in March. But um, he doesn't think that anymore. He doesn't think it'll happen in March, where we are right now. And there's a reason for it. Ray Lesniak told Business Insider, Chris Christie has put a stop to it. With a high degree of confidence, it's apparent that is exactly what happened. Yes, that Chris Christie. The Chris Christie who is governor of New Jersey who wants to run for president. He put a stop personally to poker stars coming to New Jersey. It's not entirely clear why, but... I am guessing that the reason Chris Christie put a stop to Poker Stars coming to New Jersey might be because he wants to run for president and he does not want this to be used against him. He's fine with online gaming there, but not with Poker Stars because Poker Stars has the additional baggage of running for four and a half years after the UIGEA and engaging in deceptive banking practices and money laundering. So, I, I think if he were to approve of Poker Stars coming to the state, and then he ran for president, this could be used against him. Why are you letting a criminal enterprise like Poker Stars operate in your state? And I think he doesn't want the baggage from that. It's a lot easier for him to say no. So, 
I don't even know if Paula is correct in predicting that Poker Stars is about to enter the market. If Chris Christie's blocking it, I, I don't know if that's going to change. So those of you waiting for Poker Stars to come to New Jersey, you may have to keep waiting. You may have to keep waiting. And it makes sense. Poker Stars had an unfair advantage in offering online poker for all those years before the other companies could. So now they they have a much better platform, they have much better software, much better support, a lot that they gained from experience that the other companies were not allowed to have. They also have brand recognition and brand loyalty that the other companies were not allowed to have. So they have a big advantage. And I understand why Chris Christie, who I don't like otherwise, I don't like Chris Christie, I hope he does not become president, but I can understand it. There's also some concern that Chris Christie is now involved in some way with Shelton Adelson and that uh, that's the reason he's rejecting Poker Stars in New Jersey. But I don't know about that because I don't think Adelson cares if Poker Stars is there. I think Adelson cares is there gaming or no gaming. He doesn't care who provides it. Now, it is true that uh, Sheldon Adelson had lent Chris Christie his private plane. So people are afraid that uh, this is indicative of a relationship between them. And that might be true. And obviously Chris Christie wants to cozy up to Adelson because Adelson has a ton of money. He's a billionaire and he will fund campaigns. He gave a lot of money, like $100 bucks, to Romney in 2012. So whoever gets on Adelson's good side will get a lot of money to run for president. But uh, Chris Christie's office said it's nonsensical that uh, that he interfered with the deal with Poker Stars. But you can't trust him. Uh, Chris Christie is not a trustworthy politician. He's just not. And if you follow his career, you will see that. So I think there's a good chance he put a stop to it. Ray Lesniak thinks that he stopped it. He said, with a high degree of confidence, it's apparent that's exactly what happened. That's pretty strong. A high degree of confidence. Also, Bob McDevitt, president of the Unite Here Local 54, which is the uh, union of Atlantic City's casino workers, told Business Insider, my impression was that PokerStars should have already been up and running before this point. My understanding is that it was the Attorney General's office and the Governor who are holding up the approval. So everyone seems to say that. So, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire here. I'm sure that Chris Christie actually is behind stopping it. And of course, he uh, famously shut down that bridge to punish a town that he was angry at. Well, uh, let's talk about uh, Poker Automatics again. As more information has come to light. Haley Hints, you don't ever want Haley Hints on your ass. Because Haley Hints is a smart woman, and she's a very good investigator, and she's very good at finding out the facts. If she is investigating you, she's going to come down to the... She's going to get the truth. She got more information than anyone about the AP and UB scandals. She did some amazing research, and she did this all on her own. She wasn't making money from it. 
Uh, she had talked about writing a book about it and everything, but that wasn't the motivation. And as far as I know, the book hasn't been released. So she really just does this because she enjoys investigating shady things, kind of like me. So she is really, really good at investigating these things. And uh, she learned about Poker Automatics from Poker Fraud Alert and then went on her own to investigate it and came up with a lot. Before we do that, before I tell you what Haley has found on Poker Automatics, which claims to be running a huge network of poker bots that you just give them money and they play for you and they win and you get paid. I will play for you an advertisement from Poker Automatics that sounds very, very enticing. Should be coming. Here we go. What is this? Geico? It's forcing me to put this on here if I want to play this video. Play at home? No, we're not talking about clips. Do you want to earn comfortably at home? No, we're not talking about clicks, invitations, or buying wonder scams. Leave this stuff for the naive dreamers. Poker. Thousands of players make good money on poker. Sounds tempting. Only 5% of players succeed. 95% of beginners lose their money. It takes years of training and a great understanding of the game to make profit. Who can play poker better than professionals? Those who don't have emotions, who aren't exposed to greed and passion. Robots. Unlike humans, Robots. Robots are going to play poker for you. Where is this accent from? It's not... It's not the UK. It sounds kind of like German. You can play poker with robots. It also has some misspellings, uh, like uh, when it showed a chart showing that 95% of players lose and 5% win. It said, 5% win, 95% loose. <laughs> so unless they're trying to say that 95% of the players are loose women, then uh, they spelled it wrong. They also misspelled scams really badly. like Really, really badly. It was hard to even recognize the word. And the funny thing is this ad is running... Now, you can't see it on the radio, but uh, this ad has a PokerStars commercial video in the background. So you're seeing like Daniel Negreanu and Liv Bory and other people walking through the streets of Europe. As they're playing this. So it's almost like Daniel Negreanu is endorsing this. Of course he doesn't. Of course this is stolen video, but it's funny. I'm going to start this again. Do you want to earn comfortably at home? Do you want to earn comfortably at home? It's such a weird accent. No, we're not talking about clicks, invitations, or buying Wonder Scams. So Wonder Scams, it was spelled as S-C-H-E-M-A-S. Wonder Schemas. Live this stuff for the naive dreamers. Poker. Naive dreamers. Thousands of players make good money on poker. Sounds tempting. Only 5% of players succeed. 95% of beginners lose their money. It takes years of training and a great understanding of the game to make profit. Who can play poker better than professionals? Those who don't have emotions, 
who aren't exposed to greed and passion. Robots. Unlike Robots. humans, robots don't get tired, don't make mistakes. They instantly scan the opponent. We introduce Poker Automatics. Automatic system to generate passive income from online poker 24 7. They're running the, the green screen from the Matrix, you know, the green screen with the, uh, it kind of looks like it's dripping, dripping letters down the screen in green. They're running that in the background. Like the, the Matrix is playing poker for you. Without human intervention, you don't need any experience. They spelled, they spelled experience wrong with an X B E E R A A N I A N C E. X-P-E-R-I-A-N-C is the way they spell it. There's uh, no experience needed, no poker skills needed, forget about the risks. This is obviously being put together by people uh, who are not in the U.S. It's a skill to play poker. Forget about the risk. Poker Automatics operates a network of 580 poker robots that have been brought daily profit for three years. Since 2011, our robots played over 82 million hands online. Development, maintenance, and protection of the poker bot network costs tens of thousands of dollars. All these costs are taken upon poker automatics. Isn't that generous? They, they, it cost them tens of thousands of dollars, and they ran some... I, I think it's also PokerStars footage of uh, people working on the network. <laughs> they're acting like it's their network. But they, they're taking on all the costs of maintaining the network. Nice people. Nice people. They just, they just want your money for the bots to play, and then they're going to give you a percentage of it. This is very generous. Now the opportunity to gain income is available to you. Three simple steps. Create a free account. Make deposit. Select the investment plan. No more efforts. No No more effort. No more effort till we steal your money. Waste of time. No risk. Withdraw profits at no any risk. time you want to any of supported payment systems. Our system is protected. You can be confident in the safety of your funds. Minimum deposit is only $30. Profit is accrued daily. Invite friends and earn extra daily income using our three-level affiliate program. Poker Automatics. Profit from poker without risk. Join today and get $1,000 free. Learn more at PokerRound.com. Yeah, so uh, join today get $1,000 free. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? You gotta be kidding me here. Geico again? No. I let Geico advertise for free once here. Not twice. Not twice. No way. No way, Geico. You're not paying me a dime. I'm not you're not gonna use my show to advertise. I got, I got a rating of a thousand here. I've got a thousand people listening to this show. I really do. I'm not gonna advertise for free for Geico. If I'm gonna say don't get Geico. Don't use Geico. Screw the gecko. Screw 15 minutes saving money. Screw it. You know, I've checked on it. They don't even have the best rates where I am. It's a lie. So screw Geico. I'm going to negate their commercial by saying, do not get Geico. Do not. I command you. All right, so back to uh, Poker Automatics. So we can play Poker. Haley hints did a good three-part investigative piece on FlushDraw.net that this segment will be drawing from. And um, it was a good read. Uh, in part one, she generally explained the whole thing uh, of what's been going on. And uh, in part two, she got into it a little bit more. So, so here's what's happening. We talked about this some last week. 
But first of all, as Haley pointed out, having all these bots, you can't just go create a bot and have it start playing poker. There's a lot to do if you think about it. Think about when you've signed up for an online poker site. Uh, could you just sign up and instantly have money there? No. You had to send them your identification. You, you had to uh, deposit with some kind of valid method that wasn't the same as everybody else, so you couldn't deposit from your friend's account. You, you had to deposit from your own bank account or receive a transfer from someone you know on there. You know, someone. Uh, you also have to send them documentation to be able to withdraw. So if you have hundreds of accounts, you have to do this hundreds of times, which would be incredibly time-consuming and very difficult to pull off. To have this many people in on it with their IDs that are close enough to you to where you know they won't steal the money or run off with it. As far as I know, they aren't asking any of the investors to give their information for this stuff. So for them to actually have like 800 bots running, as they claim, they would have to have created 800 different accounts with 800 different real identities, and I just don't believe it. It's just too hard. And there would have been too many things linking them together. Like they couldn't have the same guy sending the money to all 800 bots, or otherwise one gets busted, they all get busted. So that, that's the first flaw in what they're claiming is happening. Now, Haley does give them some credit about uh, being realistic with what they claim the bots will make. They're claiming the bots will make about one or one and a half big blinds per hundred hands, which is very reasonable. They're not claiming they're winning ten per hundred. You know, they're they're claiming something that would be likely if they really were running good bots. So uh, this scam is advanced in a lot of ways, including that the people behind it understand online poker and understand a lot about poker in general and are making this seem somewhat realistic, even though it's not realistic, especially because of how many bots are running. Uh, Furthermore, they're claiming that bots are playing Limit Hold'em, which, of course, is a game I'm an expert at. And one thing about Limit Hold'em is that there are not that many games running of it. It's not as popular anymore as No Limit, not even close. So where are they finding this many games to be running 800 bots? Even at low limits, how are they finding 800 Limit Hold'em games online? Can you find 800 Limit Hold'em games online? Now maybe if you start playing on sites like PokerStars, which have a lot running, maybe you could. But uh, PokerStars is very good at detecting bots. And Haley reached out to PokerStars and they said, hey, we're sure that they do not have bots running here. We have very good software scanning for bots. There's no way they have their bot network running here. And I believe that. I don't believe they're running on PokerStars. I don't believe bots exist at all. I don't believe they're doing this. I believe bots exist, but I don't believe they are running bots. I don't believe this whole story. The whole thing is just a scam. But if they were running bots, like they claim, 800 bots, they would have to be running it on the major sites because there's not enough on the smaller sites to make yeah, enough tables for 800 bots. There just aren't. So, as Haley put it, in part one of her expose, it's a failure of scale. There's too many they say are running. There just aren't enough games for this to be true. And it's too hard for them to create this many individual identities. And also, it would have to be separate computers. Now you can say, well, they can make uh, virtual machines. But uh, there's only so many you can do of that and run the software efficiently. 
then you have to worry about the IP address. It's just, it's a ton of legwork, as she put it. It's, it's too hard. And I, I don't believe they have 800 running. It just, it just does not make any sense. Even if there were the games running, just the logistics of getting the whole thing going would be almost impossible. Now, also, as discovered last week by Haley, they are faking testimonials. Here's a testimonial from Mike from New Zealand. Actually, I don't have it. I just have a picture of it. Never mind. I was going to play it, but uh, never mind. Mike from New Zealand is actually a Fiverr.com user named Alex's Herd. Obviously the same guy. Haley posts a picture of both of them. And uh, Alex's Herd posts on Fiverr. I will make a realistic testimonial or written review of your company. And he did. For five bucks, he did it. They paid five bucks to Alex's Herd to make this phony testimonial about how much money he's making on Poker Automatics, which, yeah, if all these people are making money, then why do they need these phony testimonials? They also have a David from the UK doing a testimonial who is Fiverr user Chaduk, or Chad UK. Same thing, said he'll do a testimonial. Uh, there's a guy calling himself Shimmy, who is a Fiverr user named Shimmy M. There's a Tony from China, who is actually named China Helper on Fiverr.com. There's a female, Katya from Germany, who's actually Yelena Kraji, also offering to do testimonials for you. Uh, create a natural testimonial, she says. She'll do for five bucks. So, so basically, it's all these people on Fiverr.com. It's Fiverr with two R's.com who will do fake testimonials for your company for five bucks, and that's who are singing the praises of Poker Automatic. So she found a lot of these people. I'm, I'm not even going to read the rest, but there's a ton of them if you go to Haley's article. There are also fake social media accounts. They have a Twitter account with 24,000 followers, and about two-thirds of them are bots. Mostly Russian bots that, uh, and not the type of bots they're running to play poker. I mean, like Twitter bots that just sell following you on Twitter. You can you can subscribe to services that will follow you on Twitter with a ton of different accounts. So that's what they did. There is a lot of association with Russia and the Ukraine. If you look at Alexa.com, which analyzes traffic. And I know Alexa is an inexact science, but uh, it basically gives you a portrait. And it shows that 27.5% of visitors to Poker Automatics, to PokerAM.com, 27.5% are from Russia and 14% are from the Ukraine. Now, what's interesting is that uh, all the marketing has really been English language marketing on sites that are mainly frequented by people who speak English. So why is it that the United States only comprises 5.3% of the visitors to Poker Automatics? So it looks like that they're... um, There's some kind of affiliation with those two countries... And that's why so much traffic is coming from uh, from those 
those countries rather than where they've been marketing. It's not just where they're marketing and they're getting the traffic because if it was just in the marketing they're doing, then they'd be getting it from English language countries, uh, not from uh, Russia and UK. Not UK, Ukraine. So, also really weird. Haley found that they have backdated their Facebook posts to 2011. Now, you can backdate things on Facebook. I don't know if you've even seen some of your Facebook friends. You'll see entries there from 1990 or 1976, and you go, wait a minute, I didn't know uh, Facebook existed in 1976. Well, obviously it didn't, but what you can do on this Facebook timeline is you can change the date when you post something. You can post something today and then change the date to something like uh, you know, any year you want, and it'll show you posted it then. The, the point of that is not to falsify things, but Facebook wants to be a snapshot of your life. So you can post things like, uh, you know, June 1990. Oh, I'm so happy to have graduated high school. Okay, on to college. So you can, you can backdate things like that, even though Facebook wasn't around back in 1990. So, so Poker Automatics has backdated things for the purpose of scamming people. They have posts from 2011 that really were not made in 2011. In fact, um, the account, the Facebook account, was actually created on July 21st, 2014, and yet somehow they have a post on their timeline from April 29th, 2011, saying, Welcome to Poker Automatics. Our website is pokeram.com. It's available to the public investors. From now, investors all over the world are invited to use our unique investment opportunity. Blah, blah, blah. So, why would they do that? Why would they backdate their post like that? Why not just have it really be July 21st, 2014? I mean, that's when people really were investing in it. That's when they really were getting people's money. Why make it look three years old? Well, because they wanted it to look like an established company, and they were claiming that the bots were running on, quote, uh, manual mode for years, and that they only opened it up to outsiders in 2014. That, that was their claim. So, and in fact, the history on Poker Automatics are saying about eight years ago, we started to develop private software for a poker game. Since then, we've been continuously testing it and improving it. Since 2011, our bots are playing at online poker rooms for real money. First, there were micro stakes, but they gradually increased. They're saying since 2011, they've actually been running the bots. They were developing them for eight years. In 2011, they unleashed them to actually play poker for real money. And then they won for three years. And now it's time for you to get it on it in 2014 and 2015. So this way it's not like, oh, we just created these bots. They don't have a history yet, but trust us, they're going to win. Now they're saying, hey, it's been winning for three years already. Now you get to come in on it. That's why they backdated the Facebook post. So obviously you add all this together, and the whole thing's a scam. In case you thought it might be a scam, in case you thought, well, it's probably a scam, but maybe they really are running these bots and just need people to fund them. They're not. There's too many things here that are being falsified to where it has to be a scam. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all fake. So, good job, Haley, in uncovering all this stuff. And I'll let you guys know if uh, we find anything further. I should say if uh, Haley finds anything further. Well, speaking of bots... The micro-gaming network has cracked down on them. Not the ones from Poker Automatic, because those don't exist, but 
actual bots that are really playing poker and really winning. Now, the Microgaming Network had a bad scandal some years ago where a number of skins, you know, the network, it's a network of a bunch of individual poker sites that all connect together and people can play each other. And Microgaming is the network. They are the ones that control all the money going in and out. And they're the ones that will take money from one site when a player loses and move it to the other site where the winning player is. So they're kind of the clearinghouse of all money moving on that network. And they get a large piece of the rake for that reason. So they're not doing this out of the goodness of their hearts. Uh, Basically, if you have a skin on the micro-gaming network, they collect a very healthy portion of the rake to do all this for you. So there was a scandal years ago where a number of the micro-gaming skins failed, and micro-gaming would not lift a finger to help anyone. So even though these skins ran on the network, even though they made a lot of money off these skins running, they would not give any of that money back to the players who got scammed. They gave them nothing. Absolutely nothing. They said, too bad, it's between you and the skins, which I think is really shady. I think a, a network always needs to take up for the skins when the skins screw people. I think it's better if the network holds the money. This way, this can't happen. But even if the skins hold the money, the network should always make it right at least as much as they can, when a skin screws someone. But that's not what this episode's about. Microgaming finally did something right. A user on 2plus2, known as Internet, very uh, creative screen name, Internet is his name on 2plus2. Internet and his friends suspected that there were bots running on microgaming. They went over some evidence and said, yeah, these are definitely bots running. So they contacted the head of poker at microgaming, whose name is Alex Scott. And um, this person actually met Alex at some point. And then they emailed him a list of players that they suspected were bots and how they figured it out. So only a few days later, in February, February 20th, 2015, Alex Scott emailed this guy the result in the investigation. Alex wrote, The investigation process is about 75% complete. We have confirmed that some of the accounts in your list, not all, have been, pl- have been operated by bots. As you noted yourself, some of the accounts have the same playing style, and we've also identified other factors that make us certain that these accounts were not operated by humans. We have already locked and banned the accounts in question. Here's what we're going to do to next. Number one, we're going to confiscate the funds remaining in the accounts. Number two, we're going to determine who is negatively affected by playing against the bots, that is, who had a net loss against them. And for each of these players, we will determine a fair compensation amount. We will then give this money to their poker room, who will credit them with the appropriate amount and write to them with an explanation. Number three, we will allow anybody who had a net win against the bots to keep their winnings. Well, that's obvious. You, you don't take money against people. You don't take money from people who beat the bots. They don't know they're playing bots, so if they beat them, you can't take it away from them. We are going to investigate why we did not identify these automated players proactively, and we will improve our tools so that we don't miss this again in the future. I don't believe that. I think that uh, they're just taking this action now because it was brought to them. I hope you agree this is a fair way for us to proceed. Because of the number of hands played by the accounts in question is quite large, these next steps will take some time. But we appreciate your patience in the meantime. Best regards, Alex Scott, head of poker. Good. 
At least they're doing something. At least they're actually doing something. Microgaming did not handle the skin thing well before, but at least they shut down those accounts. At least they are confiscating the money. At least they're going to be making the players who lost against the bots whole in some way. I'm not sure if they're going to be getting everything back, but they're going to be getting maybe a partial refund. So good, they're doing something. Back in the day, it's impossible to tell now because the tables are anonymous, but Bovada, a.k.a. Bodog, I think it was called Bodog then, they had a lot of bots running at Limit Hold'em, and I identified some, and I complained. I even spoke to someone fairly high up in the company there, and they gave me the middle finger. They they said it's inconclusive. You can't prove it. I I, I showed ways that I could prove it, but they, they said that's not uh, conclusive. One of the ways I proved it, actually, was that the bots did not have a way to detect when you were angle shooting them. So you could button angle shoot the bots by... You know, Bodog had a bug to where if you sat out and sat back in, you would always get the button back. You'd get the button first if you were second to the table. So if you sat out and sat back in when a guy's waiting heads up, you could always get the button first. That was a bug they had there. So uh, if you were to do this to a human, then the human would know you're angle shooting them and they wouldn't let you have the button every time. I actually got one of the bots to let me have the button... 82 times in a row. (laughs) And then suddenly the bot sat out and said F you to me, which means the operator of the bot saw it happening and then manually sat it out. And just to show you that the person wasn't just so confident with their skills that they were willing to play me 82 consecutive times on the big blind with me on the button... I was able to do it to the same account like 14 straight times, 17 straight times, 13 straight times, and every single time uh, at some point it would stop and the operator of the bot would say, fuck you, or something like that. So it was obviously a bot. And these were accounts that were suspected of being bots before I even tried this. So for sure these were bots. And I and I brought it to Bodog. They were not willing to take action because these were high-ranking accounts. So they didn't care. So it was really frustrating. They they found every reason not to close those accounts because they wanted to rake from them. But at least microgaming is closing those accounts. So good for them. 775-Fraud55, 775-372-8355. Josie's saying in chat, Todd, you are a button whore. That's not very nice. <laughs> She's also giving advice to Darkstar. Darkstar is not talking about the topics of the show. He's saying in chat, I had to ship an ex a dick pic two weekends ago because she wanted me to show her friend who wanted to have a threesome. It's always dangerous to ship someone a dick picture because you never know what will happen to it. If the person gets mad at you, they can post it on the internet. If you don't mind your dick being posted on the internet, that's fine, but... If you do mind that, you've got to be careful who you give it to. But I guess he was so excited about having a threesome... I don't know about this. You know, he's claiming that his friend, the female friend, an ex-girlfriend, actually, not a friend, he's claiming this ex-girlfriend is willing to have a threesome with him and another girl, but the other girl's got to see his dick first. I, I just don't, I don't know if I believe that. I, I don't think that's really going to make or break it. I guess if the if the girl's like a, a size queen or something, or maybe the opposite, maybe an anti-size queen where she, it'll hurt her if it's too big, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it seems to me like either the girl is down for it or she's not, and I think what's much more likely is the girl is going to judge the way the guy looks rather than what his dick looks like. I I think that's probably not the main factor in deciding whether you want a threesome. 
seriously serious saying if you have a nice dick, it's no worries. <laughs> so, uh, and Darkstar is trying to say he has hurt her with it. I'm not asking for his. I, I, I don't want your stats, Darkstar. I don't want to picture your dick. I really don't. He says the story gets way weirder, he's saying in chat right now. Anyway, Josie is saying that uh, you should never travel for pussy, learn from Todd. That's true. There's only so far you should go. If you can drive somewhere, fine. If you can drive like 150 miles or less, no problem. If you can drive somewhere a little further than that, but you have something to do that you would want to do regardless over there, like somewhere the ski resort, if you're going to Vegas anyway, something like that. Like, you know, back in 2001, I, I met a girl off True Poker. I've told this story before. And um, it was implied, it was not said directly that something would happen between us if we met in person. She lived in Vegas, I lived in L.A. But I was going to go to Vegas anyway, so I said, alright, you know, when I come to Vegas next time I'll let you know. So I, I didn't run to Vegas, like about two months later I went to Vegas and told her, I called her up and said, I'm coming, and I came, and, and yeah, you know, it happened. But I, I wouldn't have driven 300 miles just for that, though. I wouldn't have. So, uh, alright, I, I don't know how I got into talking about this. This is what's going on in the chat room. You, you guys are distracting me. Seriously Serious is is putting down those with average intelligence. He's saying if you have average intelligence, you're a moron. Well, that's not really true. If you have average intelligence, then you're just average. You're not a moron. You might be a moron compared to smart people, but the truth is a, a smart person is a moron compared to a genius. There's, there's always someone who's a moron compared to you, unless you're the smartest person in the world. And I, I don't think anybody who listens to this show can claim they're the smartest person in the world. Nor can I claim that. So, you're always a moron to somebody else. And you know what? Unless you're the dumbest person in the world, there's always someone who's a moron compared to you. Think about that. And this is true with everything, too. Not just about intelligence. Uh, There's always someone uglier than you. There's always someone better looking than you. There's always someone richer than you and poorer than you. There's uh, always someone who's a worse athlete than you and a better athlete than you. There's always someone who's a worse poker player than you and a better poker player than you. I remember, I think I've told this story before, but I, when I was like 10 years old, I, I went to a, a camp that my mom signed me up for, a sports camp, like an after-school thing, and everyone in the sports camp was terrible. It was not like a remedial sports camp. It was a regular sports camp. It just the, the random distribution of kids ended up people who sucked at sports. And I was by far the best athlete there. Like, I wasn't even close. And on an absolute basis, I was an average athlete. I wasn't good, I wasn't bad. I was better at some things than others, but overall, I was an average athlete. But boy, I was like a pro there. I was like an athletic prodigy compared to those kids. These weren't disabled kids or anything. They just were kids who sucked at athletics. And so at everything we did, I was the star. And it felt good, I'll tell you. It felt good to be the best one there. And I, I preferred that a lot more than if I was with a bunch of really good people, and I'd be the, the guy who sucked which also could have happened just as easily. It's always someone better, always someone worse. So think about that when you're feeling bad or good about yourself. When you feel bad about yourself compared to other people, just think of other people who are worse than you, and when you're feeling too arrogant or too cocky, think of the people who are better than you. I guess that's a way to keep yourself grounded. 
Alrighty. Uh, seriously, serious is saying if you have median intelligence, you're a moron. What I will say is that uh, a very small percentage of the population is responsible for the advances we have today. A very small percentage of, of the smartest and most talented people to have ever lived are, are the reason we have a lot of what we have today. That part is true. But you, you need the worker bees. You need, you need people who are not in that tiny percentage to make everything run. If, if uh, You can't say everybody else is useless because uh, the world couldn't be run Trump by a few geniuses. Trump speaks the truth. Yeah, thank, thank you, There's Brenda. always somebody better than you out there. Hey, yo. Yeah. The bad guy. Yep. What are you doing right there at night for, bro? I can't make it on Tuesday. On Tuesday, I'm going to be traveling uh, to another secret location. So I, you come I can't out here to Rosa to get some meatballs or what? I wish. I, I had meatballs at a buffet yesterday. It wasn't the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. Rosa makes good meatballs. I mean, she's 93, bro. She's been through it. That's good. No, I, what are you having radio for tonight? I, I just said that. That's I can't do I'm it on Tuesday. You. I can't do it on Tuesday, so i got to do it some night. I can't do it tomorrow. I can't do it Tuesday, so I'm doing it today. That's why. Huh? Where are you going? I, a secret location. I can't reveal that, but... Uh, I am leaving. Too I'm many in a, people I, out there want. Too many people want to know where dress at. You can't yeah, you know, and I'm, going, huh? I'm in a secret location now too, but I'm going to a different secret location on Tuesday. So uh, I, I just can't do it. I, I can't do it tomorrow or Tuesday, and uh, and then Wednesday and Thursday would be tough for a different reason. So I, I said, screw. It, I'm just going to do it on Sunday. And here we are. It's earlier, you know. For, you, for people like you in the East Coast, this is only 9 p.m. right now, and the show's been going a while. No, I know. I didn't know it was on though. Yeah, I know. It's I mean, a, you know, I came on and it says it's on there. Yeah, I know. I, I, I put There's a notice... People, on, in, here, people I, in here that I don't know is in here, so, I mean, I just called in. I, 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 put, a notice on the, I put a notice on the top of the site, and I, I put a tweet about it, but I know some people just missed that, so... Well, you know me, I'm always... According to the listeners, most of them, I'm always too drunk to even read shit, man. I mean, I'm always drunk. I'm drunk right now, right? You think I'm drunk? I have a question for you. Do you think I'm drunk or not right now? I Probably not. You say not? I'm saying not right now. Is that correct? See, Jeff knows me more than anybody. I'm not drunk. No, well, I had a one in two chance again. I'm not, for real, I'm not. I had a 50-50 chance of getting it. So, okay, a bad guy, uh, Josie is in the <laughs> chat room. Uh, I heard you've been hanging out with Josie again. Is that true? No, not true at all. That's not true at all. So you, you were not with her even once? Not even one time, no. She'll admit that. Josie is saying Rosa is sharper and better looking than Bad Dad. What do you think of that? Yes, she is. She's smarter and better looking. I mean, her nose is a little smaller, hair a little bit more crimped up, but, I mean, you know, Josie wants a fight, man, and there's no fight. No, her and I have not hung out. The only interaction I've had with her was on here. Okay. I, it was because I got a message from her on Facebook saying, uh, guess who's over here right now? And then, but I, I... Yeah, Josie kids around a lot, man. Okay. I, I mean, I, she does kid around I, I was getting excited that the two of you were together. Maybe not. You, like you a want a reunion tour? It could happen. Yeah, I want you a reunion. You can... I, I, actually, that's why I'm calling. The next chapter is part of this. Okay. Because what... I don't give a fuck anymore. Well, I think I'm going to go to child support now for two more kids, man. So I'll be paying child support until I'm 90. So hold I on. Mean, so, hold on. Hold on. So, so, so the amnesty thing just got me out of hot for a little while. So, so you did the amnesty. You got it. Yeah, I got the amnesty. I went down there. I mean, you know, they said there was 2,000 people. There were seven guys down there when I went. I took a cab <laughs> down. 
Listen to this. I took a cab down, bro. It was like two degrees minus zero outside, minus two out. I'm I'm worried about if I'm going to be able to get the fuck back, you know, how I'm going to get a cab back. I, I mean, I was down there for 10 minutes. I couldn't believe it. In and out of that place, man. I was back home within an hour, and I had to get a cab. And in Pittsburgh, it's not easy to get a cab. Like, I had to get a cab from the suburbs to downtown. So the motherfuckers were supposed to pick me up at, like, 7.30. But I told them, yeah, I don't want to pick up at 7.30. But the, the Indian guy called me at 7.45. And I said, man, I don't want to go down there and it's freezing cold. Because in Pittsburgh, a lot of shit doesn't open, man. Like, it's not like any, it's not like California or shit just stays closed. Like, even in the morning time. So I don't want to be out there freezing. So I told the guy to wait. And then this guy's okay, I'll come in 20 minutes. Well, bullshit. I had to call another cab. I didn't get picked up until 9 o'clock. But guess what? There was no one down there. Only seven guys out of 2,000 guys. There's only seven people down at that wow. place. So I, that? I, guess, well, I guess a lot of them just weren't ready to start paying, so they, they no, didn't show up. I heard people talking about they got text messages from them. Like, I heard a couple guys saying, yeah, I got a text message. You know, I mean, like, I heard it on the news, but they were even texting people, I guess, if it's the right phone. Most guys probably have burner phones, so here they go on to more. Wow. Okay, so what's this announcement yeah, but you've been holding? Yeah, seven guys now. So that amnesty thing did work. But, I mean, it was nothing. It was, okay, I, mean, so, I think they were just trying to get your hold address. Hold on. What, what is the announcement, though? You, you, you had an announcement weeks ago, and you didn't do it. So what's the announcement? What's the announcement on what? You said to be here for a certain show. I think it was like February 17th, and uh, you'll yeah, do an announcement. Man, that's because I was uh, Man, that, I was drunk that night. So wait, there's no <laughs> announcement now? I'm not going to give any announcements now. Listen, Why? all announcements are on hold. Because oh, there's other legal actions taking place now that I that I found out about this past week. Against you? So I think that I'm going to child support for my other two kids now, I, I believe. How many kids do you have? Which I know, that's 100% true, that's what's happening. How many kids do you have? Three. Well, three, if you include Josie's, who, who has my son that she gave for adoption when I never knew she was pregnant, then I have four. All right. Josie gave up a kid for adoption and hid it from everybody, and I never knew she was pregnant or nothing until I met one of her friends, and they told me. That's a true story, and then, oh. I don't know how that happened, but it really did. But that's when I was like, I, I think I was like 20, 21 So there's a kid really running around with like, like, much of that. a kid's like 12 or 13 years old who uh, whose parents are you and Josie? No, no, no. That kid's like 18, bro. <laughs> He's 18 years old. Wow. He's he's way older. See, he's, he's on the freaking thing. You don't know about that? Well, if, I, if you don't know about that, I didn't know that. And I, I wouldn't have said that. I thought everybody knew because there's even a picture in that picture thread of her and him. Oh, I knew, I knew about it. He's a kid with I, the red hair. I did, but I didn't, I, I didn't realize it was your kid. Maybe I knew it. Well, I forgot. It's weird. For some reason, this seems like news yeah. to me. I don't know why. I, I knew there was a kid she gave up for adoption. I didn't know it was you as a father. Well, that's what she says, man. So, I mean, there's no 100% proof on it, and there isn't, but, you know, there's not 100% proof on any of these kids. Well, you should take so, the kid for a, a DNA test. Well, find out the we truth. almost did that one time, but I was chewing or something, and that wouldn't work, <laughs> so I don't know what the hell happened with that. I mean, listen, I mean... If you look at him, I don't know if you think he's mine. I don't know who thinks he's mine. I mean, but I would like a 100% results. And let me tell you, I want to make this clear to the radio show here. I had no clue she was pregnant. If she wasn't want to admit that, she can't. I mean, that's a goddamn truth. I mean, she hid that from everybody. So 
That's what it is, though. I mean, yeah, so if he's my kid, then he's my kid. I never met him, though. I never okay, seen I, him or nothing. It's interesting, but I, I'm disappointed that the announcement that you demanded that I show up to the radio. Hey, 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 listen. That's before I knew there was legal matters. That's why oh, I, mean, I wasn't even on radio that night. No, it, it's just like I'm calling right now. I'm giving you my. What do you mean? I'm giving you some good shit here. I mean, you're just talking about fucking robots or something, bro. I'm calling in here. People are laughing. They're saying, "Look at this drunk," and I'm not even drunk. I mean, I give you everything. What do you want? I but mean, you know, there's you got, a you, perception you here. On here, you're talking to on Facebook. Hang on, there's a perception here that you're a lot of talk and not much action. I have to say that you've right. talked. You've told me a lot of times right. you're going to come to Vegas. And you've never come once. It hasn't happened yet right. in all these years. No, I do talk a lot. Sometimes when I'm drunk, I do say a lot of things. But this time, it's going to be action. 100%. That's what the next chapter thread's about. And then Josie hijacked it. I mean, I mean, that's what happens here. You let people hijack my threads. Well, it's not people. Josie's someone you brought to the site. Uh, and you keep her here, bro. Well, I'm not going to ban her. I mean, she's a, she's a user here now, just like you. She's, she's part of Poker Fraud Alert now. No, and she's, uh, that's fine. But listen, if I was go, listen, if I go say Josie's name or something, you, you censor that. But if someone says my, when someone says my name, it's, it's all clean, right? It's You've been good. public with I your name. You've been public with your name so many times, I don't get it. Shut up, she. I mean, she uses her first name as the goddamn. But I, I've never, name. I've never censored her first name. I think you're imagining right. things. I guess we agree to disagree on this one, brother. No, right. listen, she's, you're right. I, I mean, if you said I did bring her to the site, and it's fine. Whatever she has to say, she can say. I mean, I have nothing against anybody in this site, man. I don't have nothing against her. I don't have anything against the chick taking me for child support. But heads are going to roll. Ain't nobody safe this time, man. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to tell you everything. I'm going to tell you guys step by step. I mean, it might not be fun to some people. It might be boring. But I have a feeling it's going to be a fun ride. Well, I look forward to when it happens. Uh, I just I just hope it eventually no, happens. No, it's going to be a fun ride because this time, this time, you know what? I'm doing it my way this time, man. You guys think I did it my way last time? I didn't. I played by the books the first time around with these kids, and I got fucked in the end. And I'm still getting fucked. And it's not happening this time. If you really see dollar signs, I mean, you're seeing dollar signs from me. <laughs> I mean, you got to be an idiot. I mean, like for real. So, so how much do you think? I mean, I'm gonna have now. I'm gonna have three kids. I gotta pay child support for three. How, and you think I can afford to pay that much a month for each kid? There's no fucking way. Well, you better start doing well so in the I don't NBA. Know what's gonna happen here, man? You better start winning in the NBA. That's all I can say. Yeah, right. NBA. No, fuck the NBA. No, man. I'm going to go on disability. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I need to do. That's why I need Finkelstein on my side, man. Will you represent me? I, I think you could make a uh, a disability claim. You know, you could show them you have three kids, and you could say uh, you've had so many, so much sex with so many different women that uh, you, now you're disabled from all the sex you have. You can barely walk. <laughs> I, I think when yeah. they look at the the four no, kids you, know, you fathered, they believe I don't it. Have more than that many kids, to be honest. Because when I was younger, I was way more sexually active than I am now. Uh-huh. And you know, I was careful though, man, or just lucky, one of the two, and. I mean, that's just shocking to me. So, like, this never this never hindered me when I was younger. I, I was having sex since I was 13. And no, really, I, I've had this theory. I, I bet it's easier to get laid 
with, with decent-looking girls in Pittsburgh than it's it is... It's easier to get laid when you're 13 than it is when you're fucking 38, I'll tell you that right I now. think it's easier to get laid in Pittsburgh in general <laughs> than it is than, like, Los Angeles. I think it's easier there. I think the standards think are lower. PA. I think it's easier there, yeah. I think it's easier in the... No, you're crazy. No. I think you're 100% wrong on that. Are you nuts? Everybody knows everybody here. No, but I think the girls have higher standards in, like, Los Angeles than they do in Pittsburgh. Uh, when you're younger... When you're like 18? Yeah, I think the girls in, in areas, no, I think Pittsburgh in the residential yeah, neighborhood, I, 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 I think I you can that. get... I mean, they're not even going to look at you there. I, I think you can get... Me, I'm coming down there with a bottle of whiskey. They're going to be like, dude, what are you doing? I don't know. I, I think it's easier. You were, No, Trump, I told you the last time I was on this goddamn show. With, listen, you know Blackjack. I know how to pick up women. Believe me, you, you need more confidence in your game. Confidence I do have confidence. I, I don't lack confidence. I'm just telling you this. You're an ugly dude, man. If you got confidence in a bar, you can go home with a girl. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Though. I'm not talking about confidence. I'm talking about just the ease of succeeding. And it's it's got to be easier in some places than others. I believe that. I don't know. I mean, you might be right, but don't you think there's way more women in L.A. than there is in Pittsburgh? As far as number, there's way more men I mean, too. I you'd have more of a choice. There's way more men, but let me tell you something. I've noticed that in True. just 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 from California standpoints and Nevada standpoints, I can tell you that in the smaller towns, it's much easier to get laid in the smaller towns than it is in the big city. It's much easier. It's not even close. Ugh. Okay, well, I mean, where are you getting that statistic from? From personal experience. So when the hell did you ever live in a small town, man? I didn't live there. I just went there. And you got laid? Yeah. So you went to Lancaster and got laid from some Amish chick? I don't understand <laughs> what you're saying. <laughs> Lancaster in California is different than Lancaster in Pennsylvania. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm saying here, okay, you take the same girl, okay? Let's say you take a girl who's um, a good-looking girl, uh, and, and you take her and put her in Los Angeles and you put her in uh, in Bakersfield, okay? It, you know, in one reality, hold on. In one in That's one reality, she grows up in Bakersfield. The other reality, she grows up in Los Angeles. It's going to be much easier to get that same girl to have sex with you when she lives in Bakersfield than when she lives in Los Angeles, for sure. Okay. Well, my mom and sister just walked in, so let me ask them. That's... Hey, do you think it's easier to get laid in Pittsburgh than it would be to get laid in California if you're a guy? Like, do you think if you went out there... Yeah, but what do they know of California? I don't think they know California. She said it's easier in Pittsburgh. She said it already. Well, now, my mom said it's easier in California. <laughs> your mom. <laughs> I can't believe you're asking your mom this well, question. Well, you hear my sister just said, though, if you're a chick, it's easy anywhere. I mean, not, obviously. I'm not so obviously that's where true. you're from. Yeah, no, no question about that. But look... Uh, <laughs> you want to talk on the radio? Just want to talk to you. Why? If you pay money, my mom says you can get laid anywhere. So who knows? Is she, is she out and buying fucked up? <laughs> Who's paying money, man? This is a uh, bad guy talking to his mom radio, radio here. Superstars. Right. Just got money. He knows how to count blackjack cards. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Jeff knows what he's doing. Anyway, well, you're right. I guess you're right, man. The girls are saying in California it's easier to get laid. Or, or in Pittsburgh, it's easier to get Yeah, it is. I think it is. Other than my mom, which my mom's 70, so. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a lot of... I don't think there's going to be a big line for that. <laughs> you know, Ron, here, here's what I'm saying, though, Drew. 
Now, you guys know you got a lot of more accommodations if you're in California. If you go around here, like Bridgeville, I'm saying, Bridgeville is like three bars. Now there's only two. And if you go down there and the girls are all the same, they're going to these fucking bars. They're bar horse, all right? What I, they're bar fly. So that's a different story. That's just you run out of people. Yeah, you might lay them once, but then, you know, you're going to lay them again. Yeah, you may, you may, run, out of, yeah, you you may run out of people. I'm just talking about if you're new to both places, where is it easier? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, if you're new to both places, I think you're right. Pittsburgh would be yeah, really easier, 100%. Okay. Yeah, not Okay, look, 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 seriously serious. Listen to this. Seriously serious, who admits he has no game, said, Druff is right. I've gotten numbers from attractive waitresses and bartenders in small towns. See, seriously serious, notice the same thing. And no, I'll, I'll, I agree with you. I, I, I know I the reason why. I'll tell you the reason why, too. But if you live here, I don't agree with it. I'll tell you the reason why. Because your reputation follows you around. I've been fascinated with this, so I figured out the reason why. And the reason why is the competition is less. So the guys are worse in these towns, in these small towns, the guys are worse, and you look better by comparison than you do in, in a big city where there's a lot more guys who are, who are appealing in various ways. So the comp- it's like playing in a poker game with a bunch of fish, where you're going to win more money than playing against good players. Right, but, but eventually they're going to know you're the shark. That's, that's, my, a, that's, that's a different story. Right on this. That's if a different story. the whole time, it's not easy to get laid. That's a different story. It's easy as it was before. I can't believe Jace Charles in the chat is demanding that I tell him where to download music. This isn't a this isn't AskJeeves.com. You know, this is a this is a radio show here. I'm not giving you a music downloading advice. You gotta be kidding me! I'm supposed to interrupt the show and give him advice on this. Okay, so uh, anything else, bad guy? I got to move on with some uh, the final topics. Yeah, but, you uh, just uh, you got me on here. You sold me out. You just throw me out like the trash. I did not sell you at all. I feel, I feel just like a girl from Pittsburgh, man. Like a like this in a bar. You just used me, man. <laughs> did not happen. I, yeah, I'll let you go, brother. I'll let you go, man. Not, not, nothing to add this week. When are you going to be back on again? On March 17th. Tuesday, March 17th. Not this uh, right Tuesday, but nine days, nine days from now. Yeah, so we, we should, you should do something for March Madness. We should talk about it. Get China on. Get, Maybe. Uh, Tim dog on maybe he thinks he knows shit about sports. Okay, well you you can call in. Maybe... March Madness, man, it ain't always about the Dodgers and Lakers, bro. I'm I'm not really into March Madness, but uh, th- th- it's definitely oh, not about man. it's you not about the Lakers this year. It's not about the Lakers this year for sure. For sure, but maybe next year you never know. No, won't be then either. All right, thank you, bad guy. Hey. Yes. I love you like a brother, man. You gotta let me say it at the end, man. What are you doing? Shalom. All right, shalom. Take care, brother. Bye. It was Bad Guy 23 calling in. Uh, not as much to say this week, so we, we had to move on. We did get to hear from his mom a little bit in the background. So, um, Lock Poker. I'm not going to go in a long rant about them, but Lock Poker, you would think after everything they've done, they haven't paid anyone about two years, that there's no way they could still be licensed. That if any country is licensing them, they've got to have lost their license by now, right? Well, if you go to the Curacao eGaming site, that's curacaoegaming.com, you can find that they have their licensing information up there. Now, the company that owns Lock is called Stacktrace NV, and uh, laughably, the email is complaints at lockpoker.eu. <laughs> and it says, operating status... Valid? 
what do you have to do to lose your license in Curacao? I think I would rather have Martin Curacao as the licensor than the country of Curacao. Unbelievable. How can they still have a license at this point? Really, they stole everyone's money and continue to steal for the past two years and they still have a license. They haven't paid anyone in two years, but they still have a license. What, what do you have to do to lose your license in Curacao? I think the answer is not pay your licensing fee. So that's probably all they've been doing. There's probably The only thing that uh, Lock Poker has been paying anyone has probably been the licensing fee in Curacao. Pretty bad. So I just wanted to mention that. You ever see anything licensed in Curacao, you might as well consider it an unlicensed site because obviously they don't give a crap over there. There's a $500,000 buy-in event planned at the Aria on July 2nd. It's called the Super High Roller. And uh, it'll be taking place on, uh, as I said, July 2nd as part of the 2015 Super High Roller Series. There are 31, quote, potential players listed as participants. These are people who have not bought in yet, but are saying that they have interest. Uh, this is uh, Antonio Esfandieri, Phil Helmuth, Eric Seidel, Phil Galfon, Tom Dwan, Dan Coleman, John robert Balland, somehow Isaac Haxton, and, uh, and various others. So this will conflict with the World Series of Poker, but it will be bigger than any event at the World Series of Poker because uh, the World Series, their biggest event will be the $111,000 buy-in, big one for one drop, but uh, the million-dollar version is only every other year during even years, but since this is an odd year, they will not have uh, the million-dollar event, so this will be the big one to play, 500k buy-in, at the Aria, they're trying to steal a bit of the World Series of Poker's Thunder. This is not for charity, by the way. It's just a regular tournament. It's pretty crazy that there are $500,000 buy-in tournaments. I mean, it's not nuts. Just think about it. Think about buying in for 500000 At least the one drop. At least a lot of those people were put in by the, the organizer, Guy Le Liberté, who's a billionaire. But... Uh, this is not the same situation. Now, I'm sure some of them are, are being staked or, or selling action, but still. Can you imagine a tournament where it's half a million dollars just to buy in? You bust out, you're a half a million poorer. Think about what a half a million dollars can buy. And here you just lose it on a poker tournament. Wow. It just blows my mind to think about it. I, I couldn't play a $500,000 tournament uh, unless I... I don't know how much I'd have to have to, to want to play something like that. I'd, I'd probably have to have, like, hundreds of millions of dollars to do it. That's probably what I'd have to have. And still, I would think, well, still, it's 500000 Think what it could be done with 500000 So that's going on July 2nd. And uh, let's see if Daniel Coleman can win another really large buy-in tournament. And then... That's not what I meant to do. I'll see if uh, Daniel Coleman can win another high buy-in tournament and then claim that poker is evil and people shouldn't be playing it. (laughs) Maybe he can also wear some shirts uh, supporting the Palestinians. You know, Jewish Daniel Coleman, the uh, Palestinian sympathizer and, uh, and hater of poker.
All right. So before I get into the editorials, there's one story that was suggested to me. I actually wasn't going to cover this. I had seen it, but then since someone suggested it, I'm going to cover it anyway. A poker player has been arrested. Now, he calls himself a poker player. I don't know if he really is. But his name is Mihai Lakatos, a Romanian national. Maybe he's the one who took the bribe from the Nevada Gaming Commission to steal the seals of poker data. But uh, he was arrested in the UK for swindling the Playboy Club in Mayfair, London out of 43,000 pounds in just one week. How did he do it? Uh, he just marked cards. That's all he did. He was just uh, scratching little dents in the cards while he was playing and stole from casinos that way. The article in the Daily Mail says the unemployed 61-year-old managed to lie his way into casinos across the country that he'd been banned from by producing fake ID cards and driver's licenses and swindled them at... <coughs> oh, sorry about that. Swindled them out of thousands. Placados committed the frauds during a six-year spree in which he was living at different locations in the UK. He tried to flee the country after his sleight of hand was discovered, but was arrested as he got to the departure lounge of Luton Airport on November 20th, 2014. He was found with 3,000 pounds. He admitted 14 fraud offenses for further charges of possessing false ID documents which dated back to 2008. He's one of the first people to be convicted for a specific cheating technique called card marking. So they, they showed uh, a picture of what he was doing. He was basically just, just scratching dents into the cards. Little bends into the cards. It seems very simple, but somehow he was getting away with it. They're kind of clueless of these casinos. So um, what's funny is the Playboy Club apparently is a subsidiary of Caesars Entertainment. Because it was uh, Caesars Entertainment that contacted the Metropolitan Police's gaming unit in the UK when he was spotted at the Playboy Club. Pretty stupid after you get banned for cheating to keep coming back to the same casinos with fake IDs. I mean, it's, this guy was bound to get arrested. Not exactly the brightest guy. It's, it's amazing that he got away with it for this long. And this was a, a six-year spree. He was arrested before for this. And he tried to flee. He tried to uh, go to the airport and flee the country. He uh, he defrauded the Rendezvous Casino. He defrauded the Genting Palm Beach Casino. The Maxims Casino. He also played against other customers. I don't know if it was poker or some other game. And, and beat them in uh, at the rank casinos in Leicester, Stockport, Salford, Swansea, Portsmouth, Portsmouth, I guess, uh, Nottingham, Sunderland, Birmingham, Walsall, and London. Wow. So, a lot of fraud going on there from Mr. Lakatos. (laughs) But I guess he's done with that. And I guess the security is not that good in these UK casinos. All right, so time for my editorials. See if anyone texted me in the meantime. I wasn't really looking at my phone. See if I got the text, but see if I got any text from you. Fine listeners. Someone saying call Brandon. I can't just call Brandon. I mean, it's got to be a reason. Someone who does not want me identifying them, and I won't, said 
I walked away from a 10% stake in SEALs. Some days I feel great about that decision, some days a moron. I, you know, yeah, you would have made some decent money with 10% of SEALs, but think about right now. Think about if you had made money from SEALs, for whatever 10% would have gotten you. Knowing that at any moment you can get busted, your house broken into by the authorities, your equipment seized, and you go to prison. You have to worry about that for a long time right now. I, I think you're probably best off not having owned SEALs. Maybe if you owned it and just were a silent partner, and you can just say, well, they they offered to sell me a part of it, I didn't really understand what I was buying. Maybe you'd get away with it, but if you were actively involved with running it, then you probably made the smarter decision not to. Alrighty, so uh, the, the 816 area code saying call Jay Searles. I, I, I don't feel like it. Jay Searles can be on some other show. He, Someone played a clip of Jay Searles appearing on the show in 2012, and he had absolutely nothing to say. When I say nothing to say, I tried to get him to say something, and he had nothing to say. Here's editorial number one. As I've talked about many times in this show, California legalization of online poker is coming in just a matter of when. The big thing holding it up is whether poker stars will be allowed to participate in the market. And that's what's been stalling it. But uh, it's going to be settled at some point soon, and legalized online poker will come to California. California is not a small state like Nevada. It's not a medium state like New Jersey. It is huge. It is one-ninth the population of the entire United States. So, with well over 30 million people living in California, I think actually like 37 million, that should be enough to support online poker, especially that a lot of people in California like poker. So, I think per capita, California even has more poker players than most other states in the union. So, I should be excited that California will get online poker, but I'm not. And I feel a little bit weird coming out here saying, oh, I hope it comes, oh, this is making progress, oh, if California legalizes it, this is going to be the gateway to legalizing it federally and to having our poker back. And how could I quietly wish for it not to come back? Why? Why would I do that? Am I afraid that I'm not good enough to win anymore and I think it's better off I can't play? No, that's not it. Is it that... uh, I'm going to be afraid that I'm going to have to pay taxes on it and um, that's going to end up hurting me or maybe the rake's going to be higher and it's going to hurt me. Not really. That's not really my concern. And I, and I am paying taxes on what I win now. My concern as a limit hold'em player is twofold. Now, this is totally selfish, by the way. This, you don't have to feel the same way as me. In fact, you probably don't and probably shouldn't. I'm afraid that Bovada, where I'm currently playing, that they will pull out of the California market once online poker is legalized in California, and I won't be able to play there anymore. And I'm afraid that Bovada will have more plentiful, higher, and better limit hold'em games than the legalized online poker sites will. I'm afraid the legalized online poker sites, even in California, will not be incredibly busy. 
they'll be busier than New Jersey's, but not incredibly busy. And I'm afraid that there will not be much limit hold'em going. And I'm afraid that there will be more people who are good players in California, the commerce types. The, there's a lot of good limit hold'em players from California. I'm afraid they will want to play on there. I'm afraid there's going to be a high concentration of pro players in the limit hold'em games that I would play. And very few fish. There will be some fish. But I'm afraid that the games will be worse than I can currently find on Bovada. I'm also afraid maybe they won't be as high. Now, the Bovada games are 30-60 maximum, but 30-60 goes fairly often. I'm afraid 30-60 won't go, or if it does, maybe very tough. I am afraid that the poker choices I will have after California legalization for Lim and Hold'em will be worse for me than they currently are today. Even though I may have more choices, I think there will be worse choices. I'm not sure about this. It's very possible that this will bring a second poker boom, even for Limit Hold'em, and that I'm going to be sitting there shooting the fish in a barrel and winning tons of money and doing so on legal sites that I can trust and I can cash out from whenever I want. There's plenty of hassles to Bovada. There's plenty of things I don't like about it. But at least I've been reliably winning there. At least it's a known quantity to me. These new sites are not. And I'm afraid maybe Limit Hold'em will be kind of left behind. I'm afraid it may not be that popular except for the pros like me who are going to flock there. So I'm not that excited about it. I'm going to give it a chance, but I'm not that excited about it personally. I think maybe if you're a No Limit player, maybe it might be different, but I think even there you're going to have a lot of really good players. I think the competition is going to be tough. That's just my guess. So, I'm not that excited. Now, if Bovada continues doing business in California, then I'm fine with that. Then, then, then I have more options. And if I don't like it, I can just not play and I can keep playing on Bovada. But I'm afraid they're going to pull out and I'm going to be stuck with options that are not as good. So if you're a limit holding player like me, that's something to be concerned about. And I have to say, when I hear about the legalization process being stalled in California, as an advocate for legalized online poker, I I feel bad about it. As someone who does this show rooting for online poker to be legalized, I I feel bad about it. But as someone who's looking at his own bottom line, I think, well, maybe that's a good thing for me. Or as I've said before, if something's working for you, you don't always want to change it, even if the change is supposedly going to be better. How many times in your life have you changed something that was good to move to something better, whether it's a job, whether it's where you're living, whether it's a form of poker you're playing, whether it's a girlfriend? Change to what you think is going to be better from something that was perfectly good before, and you get something worse. I bet you've had that before in your life. I have too. 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355 if you want to call in. Grenada Rogers in chat saying, if California allows poker, won't television advertising be allowed to promote play and maybe programming poker programming will return? I, I don't think much poker programming is coming back. I think people are kind of tired of it, but... Yeah, I have to imagine they'll be able to advertise on TV. It'll be up to the individual stations if they want to take those type of ads. 
just because you can advertise something doesn't mean the station necessarily wants to be associated with it. You, for example, you can advertise uh, pornography, but uh, most stations don't exactly want to run ads for that. So we'll see. My other editorial is not about gambling, not about poker. A little bit about it, but just as a indirect result of what I'll be talking about. There are some things that happen that seem so inconsequential at the time they happen that you don't even think about them. You never say, oh wow, this is a big day, this is a significant day, this is going to mean a lot in my life. You just go on as if it's a regular day, and only later do you learn how significant it was. In 1993, I had a girlfriend that I was about to break up with. Didn't know it yet, but I was going to the next week. It was already kind of going downhill, but some things happened the next week and we broke up. But that's not important. What is important is that uh, I I was at my parents' house with this girlfriend, and she saw my brother for the very, very last time she ever saw my brother. And she told my brother that there was a guy that she knew that she thought was very similar to my brother, and they, those two would want to be friends. And she said, you know, I, I mentioned you to this guy. It was almost like a matchmaking of friends. <laughs> it was weird. Trust me, it wasn't a gay thing. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so my brother thought it was a little bit weird, but he said, oh, you're right, sure, you know, if, if uh, you want to introduce me to this person, fine. So, so she did. And uh, those two are still very good friends. My brother and this guy were became friends and stayed good friends to this day. Well, this guy also got to know me, and I, I was never as good friends with him as my brother was, but um, I, I got to know him, became friends with him too, and he and my brother started playing poker. My brother was actually playing Limit Hold'em before I was, even though he hardly plays anymore. And uh, I I thought it was interesting, but I didn't have that much interest to do it, but uh, uh, this guy, who was friends with my brother, he was he, he was insisting to me that I should try playing. He said, I think you'd be good at it. I, I think it's something you'd enjoy. Uh, you should really try this. It's fun. Go buy Lee Jones' uh, book, Winning and Low Limit Hold'em. Yes, it's the same Lee Jones who uh, is involved with Poker Stars now. So I bought it. I read the book. I went to Hustler, played my first session of 3-6 Limit Hold'em, and I loved it. He was right. This is before the poker boom. This is 2000, early 2001, January 2001, I did this. First time I played Limit Hold'em, January 2001, way before the poker room. Two years before. And the reason that's so significant is that was how I got into Limit Hold'em. And if I had waited for the poker boom before finding interest in poker, like most of you did, I probably would not have gravitated toward Limit Hold'em. I would have seen No Limit on TV. I would have said, okay, I'm going to play No Limit. What's this limit thing? It's weird. It's weird where you, you can only bet a certain amount on each street. That's, you know, who'd want to play that? It would seem something that probably would not have appealed to me. And um, I, I probably wouldn't have uh, really thought about the right strategies to win at it. I mean, it just it turns out that the way I am, the way my brain works, I'm just better at limit hold'em than no limit. And uh, th- that's what I found from trying both games. So I think if I just had focused on no limit and ignored limit, I probably would have been a mediocre player. And I I wouldn't have become a pro poker player. Especially because I I don't really enjoy No Limit Cash either. I get bored of it quickly. 
I, I think I would have lost interest in poker pretty quickly. I think I would have been one of those casual players who tries their hand a little bit at uh, No Limit Hold'em, 3, 2, 5, whatever, and uh, would have probably been break-even or maybe won a little, but you know, nothing that exciting. And I would have said, all right, you know, this is not that exciting to me. I don't really enjoy it that much. Screw it. Instead, I got into Limit Hold'em before the poker boom, before anyone was really thinking much about poker, and got good at it to where I was already a good player by the time the poker boom happened, and then I won a lot of money off the people in Limit Hold'em that were not good players, that were new to the game. And that led to me winning my bracelet, and that led to me becoming a professional poker player, and um, led to me not having a regular job for the last almost 12 years. led to me finding NeverWinPoker.com and posting on there, led to me eventually running this site and doing this show. Now, this girlfriend at the time, we were just out the door. If we had left five minutes earlier, she wouldn't have seen my brother. Then we would have broken up the next week, and she would have never introduced him to this guy who then got me to Limit Hold'em eight years later. This is back in 93. It was eight years later when he got me into Limit Hold'em. But I would have never known him. And I would have never gotten into it. And the site wouldn't exist. And the money I made from Limit Hold'em, I would not have. And I just would not be that big of a part of, of poker or gambling or any of the other stuff that is a big part of my life now. All from being at my parents' house and... Her mentioning to my brother that she should meet this guy that uh, that she knows she thinks she'd want to be friends with. That's that's what led to me doing this show right now, being a professional poker player. Otherwise, it would have been completely different, I'm convinced. Here's another one. As you guys know, I have a long-term girlfriend. Been together uh, over five and a half years. Got a son named Benjamin who's four years old. Neither of those would exist. I mean, the girl would exist, but the relationship with her would not. Benjamin would not exist, for sure. If a perverted note was not written to her by a guy I knew in college back in 1992, this girl was someone I knew in college through a friend, but, um, you know, we didn't associate that much. I knew her, I was attracted to her, but I never said anything about it, and I honestly would not have had any reason to really become friendly with her if it had not been for one of my friends who had a big crush on her writing a perverted note to her when he was drunk and slipping it under her door. And she and and her friend that I knew her through called me up on three-way, this is back in 92, and um, asked me to have him stop doing this. And I was actually annoyed with the call. I said, this isn't my thing to deal with. (laughs) I'm not his dad. I can't stop him from writing those notes. I agree it was inappropriate, but I can't do anything about this. If you don't like it, talk to him. And they kept saying, come on, you're his friend. Can you say something about it? Can you just tell him to stop? Tell him we don't like it. So finally, after a long time of talking, I reluctantly agreed. But uh, we were on the phone an hour and a half, and that was really the first time I got to know this girl who had received the perverted note. 
And that was when my opinion of her really changed, and I, I thought very highly of her. And then I developed a crush on her myself, which I didn't say anything about. But we we became friends from that point and stayed friends for the remainder of the school year. And then I graduated, and I was gone. Then we kept in contact by email for about six months, and then it fell off, and that was it. And we found each other again on Facebook. But there would have never been the Facebook reunion 15 years later, actually 16 years later, if it had not been for that note that initially made us become friends. So if a perverted note had not been written to her by my friend in 1992, my son would not have been born in 2010. When I got the call about that note, I had no idea that 18 years later, that phone call was going to lead to me having my first and only child. But it did. Here's another one. Has to do with my bracelet. I know you, I've got to mention my bracelet on the show. At least once a show, I've got to mention I have a bracelet. In 2005, early 2005, I was playing poker at the Bellagio. I had never played a tournament yet in my life. Did not have a bracelet. Had no desire to play a tournament. I was playing poker at the Bellagio, and I saw two familiar faces sitting next to me. One of them was 2004 main event runner-up, and uh, later revealed to be... uh, Big uh, foot fetish guy, David Williams, he was sitting next to me. And sitting next to him, not playing, but with him, and whispering in his ear, was the Matador's daughter from the TV show Tilt. If you've seen the TV show Tilt, there was a hot chick in it who was the playing the daughter of the main character known as the Matador. And he was the main villain. And uh, the the one who played the daughter, I think she's a Canadian girl, but uh, she was a pretty girl, and I forgot her name. But she, I, this this tilt was on at the time. This was not like years old. This was a current show at the time. The Matador's daughter from Tilt is sitting right next to me, and and David Williams. You know, she's sitting with David Williams right next to me. Something that wow, this is weird. <laughs> I mean, Williams, yeah, I can understand him being at the table, but of all people to be sitting with him, so. Uh, the two of them got to know each other because David Williams was briefly on tilt as a guest like guest star celebrity uh, appearance. But they had developed more than a friendship and David Williams was uh, kissing her and having his hand on her leg and they, they were definitely very close there. I'm sure they were having sex too. But at the table they were pretty close, and they were whispering a lot of things. She, I even heard her whispering to them that the expensive jeans she was wear, wearing, she had stolen from the set of Tilt, that uh, basically these were the jeans they had her wear, that they gave her for wardrobe, and then she either wore them home or just took them home, and figured that they wouldn't miss them. She didn't explain it, but she said, I stole these from the set of Tilt. Aren't they nice? So, and she wasn't bringing them back. The show had been cancelled. It wasn't being produced anymore at that point. So, uh, I thought this was a really interesting thing to post. So I went on Neverwin Poker, and I posted about it. 
So what was the consequence of this? And why can't you find the post anymore? If you try to look in archive.org and look for that post on Neverwin Poker, you won't find it. It's gone. So how did that short-lived post have a consequence of me winning a World Series of Poker Bracelet and also finishing third in a different tournament and also being on ESPN spinning a seat cover when I won a hand. How did the two have to do with one another? Well, after I posted this about David Williams, a new account showed up on Never Win Poker named Silence. You might know who that is if you've been following the community. Silence messaged me and said, Hey, I just played with you the other night. It wasn't the table David Williams that, but a different night. We played shorthanded. I was the girl at the table. So I'd remembered I'd played with a girl a few nights beforehand at the Bellagio, three-handed. This girl's name was Marie Elena. She looked around my age. and was. Um, she, she was a good player. And um, she said that's who she was. And that... The reason she registered an account on Everyone Poker was that she read what I had written about David Williams. I guess she was a lurker on Everyone Poker, and at the time when she, we played, she didn't realize that I was Dandruff from Everyone Poker, because I really wasn't uh, known as Dandruff. No one really put the two together at the time. But um, she realized from reading other things on Everyone Poker, when I had posted about the session we had, who I was... And then she continued reading there and saw that I made that I posted that story about David Williams and the girl from Tilt. Well, she said, I'm friends with David Williams, and the story you posted is going to do a lot of harm to him because David Williams has a girlfriend back home in Texas. Yeah. So David Williams is cheating on his girlfriend with the girl from Tilt. And I had just posted about it on Everyone Poker. And I guess she alerted David to it, too. And uh, David was worried, and she was worried for him, that this was going to get back to his girlfriend back home. And she asked me, could I please remove the post? And I thought, oh, man. Should I do this? I mean, it's good gossip. It's even better now that he's cheating on his girlfriend. But I I said, you know what? Now, you know, I don't approve of him cheating on his girlfriend, but it's not really my business, and I, I don't want to be the, the relationship destroyer here. And, you know, if he's cheating on her, she can find out on her own. This is not my business to reveal. So I, I said, all right, fine, I'll delete the post. And I deleted it, and in fact, I posted it in the middle of the night, and I got her message like a few hours later. So uh, for whatever reason, no one really commented on where it went. It just kind of vanished, and nobody either saw it, or people saw it, but it just it never really got around what I had posted. So she said to me, okay, thank you very much, I appreciate it, David Williams appreciated it, and David Williams was was very happy with me for a while, and very nice to me for a while after that, until the uh, the whole thing about his uh, foot fetish porn came out on Neverwin Poker uh, a little bit later, and then he didn't seem to care for me too much anymore. But uh, Silence herself became an active member on Neverwin Poker. And, and I also became friendly with her at the time. So um, she was, at the time, the ex-girlfriend of John D'Agostino 
She wasn't with him at the time. She had been with him previously. Uh, at this time, John was with Genocide, of all people. But then, uh, after John and Genocide broke up, uh, he got back together with Marie Elena, a.k.a. Silence. And uh, by the summer, they were back together. So, I was there in Vegas in the summer of 2005. I lived there by that point. And uh, they were visiting from the East Coast. They were you know, they rented a temporary apartment there. John and Marie Elena, and and Marie Elena invited me over for dinner one night. Just just me and the two of them at, at their at their rented place. So I was eating dinner. This is at the beginning of June. This is I can tell you actually. I think it was uh, June third or something. The reason I know this is because it was the night before the fifteen hundred limit hold'em event at the World Series of Poker. Now, I'd never played a tournament ever. And John D'Agostino asked me, are you playing tomorrow? And I said, playing what? He said, the 1500 limit hold'em. You're a limit hold'em player, right? And I'm like, why aren't you playing it? I said, oh, is that tomorrow? I didn't even know about it. I, I said, I don't really play tournaments. And he says, well, you know, it's, uh, I'm just letting you know. Maybe you'll want to play it. And I said, well, yeah, what's it like? <laughs> so he said, well, it's just a tournament, except it's limit hold'em instead of no limit. And... I said, well, okay, I, I guess 1500 I guess I'll give it a shot. So I, I wouldn't even have known about this had I not been over there that night eating dinner, which I was only over there eating dinner because months before that, I did that favor for Maria Elena and deleted that post about David Williams. So I was pretty much talked into giving it a shot. And did. And I finished third in that event. That was one where you can find me spinning the seat cover on ESPN when I won a certain hand. After finishing third, I, I stopped playing the World Series for a month, for whatever reason. I didn't want to enter any more events, but uh, I, I talked Inner Poker into sponsoring me for the 3,000 version of that event. So I played my next event, the 3,000 Limit Hold'em, a month later on July 3rd. And that was the one I won. Had I not been over that night eating dinner with Marie Elena and John, I would not have played the World Series that year. I would not have finished third and first. I would not have a bracelet, probably. Definitely wouldn't have had one from that year. Probably wouldn't have had ever any interest in playing the World Series. And a lot of things would be different. Little things that have a big impact. And that is my editorial on that subject. Forum Wars is laughing about the fact that they actually uh, broadcasted that on ESPN. Which, if you think about today, broadcasting a $1,500 limit tournament on ESPN, I mean, come on. Limit Hold'em is not exciting to watch. It just isn't. It's, uh, it doesn't have the all-in moment unless uh, someone's short-stacked. So you're watching Limit Hold'em. Okay, raise, re-raise, re-raise, call, check, call, check, call, check, call. All right, what do you have? I've got a set. Uh, I've got uh, top and bottom pair. Okay, set wins, push the pot. Like, it's not exciting. Not good TV. Yeah, the chat room, uh, Shiz Money is pointing out that the name of this actress was M- Amelia Cook, if you want to take a look at her. Amelia Cook is the one that David Williams was cheating on his girlfriend from Texas with. She is now 
35 years old and will be 36 in May, but back in 05, she was obviously a lot younger. She was only 26 then. In fact, not even 26 when I saw her at the beginning of 05. It was just about 10 years ago, like early 05. So. It's a picture of her that looks a little bit uh, more recent. Let's see what this is. Yeah, there's. A, she was in a movie called Species 3. Oh, this is not a reason. This is 04. She just looks older for some reason. I, I don't see any recent pictures of her. But you, you know how actresses are. They don't like to show you recent pictures of themselves when years pass. They want you to see the shots of them when they were younger and hotter. But she probably still looks good now. She's only 35, and she looked good 10 years ago. Anyway, people. I will not be back for another nine days to this show. The next show will be on Tuesday... March 17th at around 6.30pm back from the normal location the sound quality will be back to what you expect apologizing for the weird beginning to the show which I may or may not edit out I'm kind of looking at not right now I'm not in the mood but this issue will be gone next week I'll just buy a new headset so next time I have to do the show in a secret location that I won't have these sound issues, though it wasn't that terrible to be honest. And we'll have the free roll again. Maybe have a co-host. Get back to normal. But I figured it's better to have a show tonight than not to have a show at all this week. And it was the choice between Sunday or nothing. Did Sunday. Guy 23 I'm still looking for you to reveal this big thing you want to tell us. You know, I enjoy Bad Guy on the show, but sadly he only delivers about a third of what he promises, if that. So, you got to take that with a grain of salt. Anything he promises, he actually demanded. He said, you need to be there, motherfucker. You need to be there next week. Do not flake out on me. So I was there, and he flaked out on me. Typical. World Series is coming not too long from now. Two and a half months to the World Series. Crazy. Two and a half months the World Series will start. Doesn't feel like it. Still feels like it's a long time away. I'll be posting the information on buying pieces of me in the World Series shortly on the Poker Fraud Alert World Series of Poker Forum. Thank you everybody that showed up live to listen to this thing the off day and off hour. If you missed it, you can always find it in the archives. And uh, it goes without saying, we had uh, lower ratings tonight, lower live ratings, but that was to be expected. Who knows what we will have to talk about nine days from now. A lot of poker stuff probably happened between now and then. I am Todd Dandruff with Tellus saying goodnight, saying I will be back, saying that this show will return to its normal time in nine days. Good night and shalom.